Yo, excuse me, Miss Lynn. Yeah. Have you ever seen a show with a couple on the mic with bad content and it don't come out right? We tight. They ain't never tight. And that's not polite. Am I lying? No, you're quite right. Well, tonight on this very mic, you're about to hear. We, we swear the, the best, best podcast of the year. year. So, so. Here we go. Scream Bravo. Also, if you didn't know, this is our show. Hey, I like that. Welcome, welcome, welcome to America 20 to Life. I'm your host again, Mike Lynn, here with my beautiful wife and co-host, Erica Lynn. What's up, babe? What's up, y'all? So this is our Monday special show. Uh, We are doing a series of uh, conversations with our soon-to-be uh, well, our candidates for uh, city council wards, uh, city council at large, and mayoral candidates. Uh, this is our second one that we are doing today with Elvin Caldwell, or Al Cal, as some of y'all may know him on Facebook. Um, and we're going to be having a conversation about the fourth ward, which he is in the running for against Brian T. Jackson. So that'll be our show today. But up until that point, when we bring him on in about 10, 15 minutes from now, Go share this so that everybody can be informed about our candidates and what's going on with them. Uh, but we're going to talk about some other things as well. So what's what's new in the hood, babe? Well, the city council meeting is going on as we speak. And uh, it's a whole, like, really terrible propaganda show at the moment. So I, well, there's several people that are watching. There's a lot of people that are wanting to give public comment, et cetera, or just, you know, participating. So I'm just getting a lot of messages. Um Biggest thing on the agenda tonight is a big grant um, that was proposed to city council to sign off on for the hiring of five more police officers, which at face value, it's like, okay, uptick of violence, et cetera, et cetera. Um, The press release focused a lot on the gun violence, right? As it should. Um, It focused on the gun violence and it tied that into the need to hire the officers, except the resolution mentions nothing about violence or gun violence at all whatsoever. Surprising. So, yeah, there's that. Um, so, and with, then, so with that, I mean, we understand that hiring more police officers, five more police officers, not going to have any any impact on the gun violence that's happening in the city. Uh, the fact that we continuously uh, move around on a hamster wheel makes no sense to me. But um, I know that it is it almost like you said, propaganda, it almost always kind of functions in this way of. Uh, what will make people feel safer rather than what will actually make them safer. That's kind of just what we've seen up to this point. Um, I, again, as, as we talked about on the last show, I task you all to think that if I was the mayor and had the right uh, to bring, you know, bring change or do these things, what what would I do? Right. So, you know, if, if that if, if you trust what my opinion on how we would help to change these things and you're seeing what's actually happening, you know, when we keep saying to them when they're doing this type of stuff like, Hey, that's not going to work. I'm I understand. And I'm talking to people who are involved in these things and that's not going to work. Uh, but they don't want to listen to that. And it's almost been it's almost been directly stated that I'm not going to listen to him or what they're talking about. You know what I'm saying? It's almost like a, we would rather everybody die than work with them. But that's that's cool. Whatever it is, we're going to do the work regardless out here. So uh, that is what it is. But. I did want to talk about so that that's happening right now. I'm pretty sure they're probably going to vote that in. Uh, the only thing that I asked is that if you're going to vote it in, bring some concession with it, meaning that it's OK to do what you are already going to do, already going to do, 
but let's get some back end meat on it, right? So like, okay, you want five more officers, but how about five more officers get hired in? These are new kids that are coming into the department. They have no idea about anything going on in the streets. So obviously you're not gonna be able to help the situation as it is, but you know what might help is investigations. So why not take the top five people you guys have ready for a promotion and make them detectives? So then we, it's a win-win, right? You get, you get your five new cops that you so desperately need to make everybody feel safe. Uh, and then you get the five cops that can actually try to make people feel safe or actually make them safe uh, in, uh, in investigations. So that, that's kind of the idea that I had anyways. Uh, but anyways, I, I gave that information to multiple of the council members on there too, that if you're going to you know, do a friendly man, amendment to this and say, hey, okay, but we're, you're going to bring these five on, but we need to, you know, we need to uh, promote five more than to be, you know, to detective rank so they can Some actually investigate. <laughs> yeah, we need to investigate crimes. You bring, if you get people who are doing this stuff, you know, off the streets, that'll stop a lot of murders because those people, even though they're the ones enacting the crime, still have a, you know, there's people out here that got a ticket on their head too. So then now that's the next victim. So next shooter, next victim, that cycle right there can't continue. And we can't forget, um, we just have to name the fact that We've had funding in the budget for the last couple of years for, you know, set officers and, and more. And the conversation has always basically been that there is a shortage of qualified, you know, police officers. So it's just kind of odd that all of a sudden now it, it, that's going to not no longer going to be an issue. So it's just it's very frustrating when there are very real things going on right now. And, you know, we have an administration that is just putting band-aids on things and things that you know sound good and look good on a press release but then when you get to the meat of it if you just strip it away just a little bit which unfortunately most people don't do no, they don't. most people aren't going to read the entire resolution no like i did and will and pick it apart this is and why y'all watch it to the press release you know like they're not going to do that um nor are they going to remember like we've pulled out like wait hold on remember a year ago when this was said and then right. pulled that back up and put that so most the average person isn't going to do that. Right. So they take what's just happened most recently, and that's kind of what it is, and that's why it's somewhat effective. The government has just, you guys have heard me use this term a lot, just jumped off the couch as, as, as it's concerned to gun violence. We've been talking to them about gun violence for over a year now and longer. Uh, that was the village, why the village Lansing was created to address the gun violence from a direct approach at the kids. And they didn't want nothing to hear with it. They had no no room to hear anything from us. So we've been doing that work for the last two years and talking to them about it for the last two years. And here we are. I have to say this because I find this hilarious. I've gotten this message twice now. Um, because as you all know, we are no longer, this is, we used to not have a Monday show until like nine, 10 o'clock. We'd come on late as heck. And why is that? Because of council. Because we, of council. Wednesday, we were on Friday, city council. Yeah. We were on there. And for the last year, begging them for lack of a better word um angry pleading you know upset sad you name it right please do something about this violence talk with us etc 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 so now it looks like there is going to be a forum on gun violence for youth on june 29th held by peter spadafore and rachel willis oh that's amazing wow good <laughs> luck i'll hold one the same day I'm just... It's all good. You know, whatever. I it know. is what it is. I, aside from talking about that... At least they're finally talking yeah, but, about it, I but guess. But let's just talk about this. The Village Lansing held a town hall last week, um, and it, we had about 60 people out there. 
uh, just speaking. And that was what it was for. It wasn't to find solutions. We understand that those aren't going to come out of those meetings, but issues will. And then you put the right minds behind solutions. So that's what we're doing right now. And I'm telling you, there's some things that are really in play that are working. Uh, but outside of that, the village did a live stream from that and it went viral. I think there's 16,000 people who have watched it up to mm -hmm. this point. So that's 16,000 people who now know that there's a problem and issue they may not have known before. This is how you that's use your influence. Mm -hmm. It's not about me. It's not about her. It's not about the village. It's about that getting part. the information out when you have a platform to get it out. It's the reason why Colin Kaepernick took a knee against police brutality. Not because Colin Kaepernick was some, you know, grocery store manager who just decided I'm going to step outside and take a knee at a football game because I'm here. He knew that I have a platform and I have influence that nobody else that has the heart to do this has. And I'm going to use that influence. And this is what we continue to do. Period. Point blank. So when talking about influence and, and all of that, uh, the gun violence has been has been crazy this weekend. Uh, uh, my cousin, A.B., put together and I, I mean all I did was the flyer and I, I mean I came to the thing and helped out where I could but ultimately you know somebody who really has the ear of the street you know not to say that I don't but I mean really has the ear of the street and love for the kids we did this first annual peace picnic uh, for Father's Day family reunions what we called it join us for our barbecue summer kickoff uh, at Risedale Park we started at noon setting Ish. up because that's how we do right it's all <laughs> good it's all we good all we started at noon setting up and then uh you know after after about i think i'd say like three hours the place was packed it was packed and i'm gonna tell you this is what this is what the people in that environment can do that can't nobody else do is that we had that event where it was how we would have done a family reunion meaning that it might not have been a family reunion Peter Spatterford would have felt comfortable. I shouldn't say might not. You wouldn't have felt comfortable coming here. So how are you going to be able to attack gun violence if you don't feel comfortable coming into the area that is going on? I task you to do that. Bring your ass into Risedale Park the next time we do it. Seems you want to figure out what the issues are. So anyways. To the youth um, and the families directly impacted and involved. Yeah. Come talk to us. Anyway. Uh, it was just an amazing <laughs> event. I imagine we probably had 200 plus people out there. All the food was free. Hey. Good. Everything was done, uh, done correctly. Barbecue. I mean, ribs, not just not just hot dogs and hamburgers. I'm talking about ribs, chicken, everything you want. Sweet potatoes, greens, cabbage. It was off the chain. Macaroni and cheese. Like we gave out. A, yeah. Black Lives Matter Lansing uh, donated a thousand dollars. We gave it all out to the kids. Twenty dollars at a time. There's a couple kids that came up, had like, like I was like, how much money you want so far? Like, yeah, like one hundred twenty bucks. You know, we was giving them jobs to do. We did some races. I mean, we was doing all types of just just giving the money away to the kids. And it was I mean, just giving them, you know, that that excitement of that. You know, what's going to be next? How can I get into it next? We did a couple races. We did team race. We did younger kid race. We did a 50 and over race. Mm -hmm. We got pictures, too, that'll be going out on Village Lansing. Yes. So make sure y'all go check those out. I mean, all the pictures from the event and, and what you'll notice in that in that in those pictures is. It's it, it is the environment we come from. Everybody had a smile on their face. Everybody was enjoying their time. And then we took this last picture that I had to show everybody. But um, this picture right here just did it for me right here. Let me make this a little bigger so y'all can see it. And this this was Father's Day. This yesterday. is Father's Day. So what you're seeing in this picture right here is all the fathers with their kids that was there. I'm mean, not all. And I don't think every single one of them popped up. We have more than this out there. But these is all fathers, the kids in the front row. This is from the way right here. That's what we call it. We call it the way. This is this is this is where everybody at right here. So 
if y'all can't do this, then just stay out the conversation. That's really how I say it. That's how I see it. But this was a beautiful event. I mean, just the pictures that you guys, when you guys end up seeing these pictures, I mean, it was just an amazing time. Yes. I had a blast. You know, I had a blast. I got, you know, I got to, uh, to, to, to be with the youngsters. I didn't, I, I tried to do the, I don't know what, I can't dance no more. <laughs> I tried to do the shuffle and I looked like, I was like, that's that's the dude I used to watch when I was younger. Like, yo, just chill, bro. You ain't got it no more. I don't know what it is. I tried to, what is it called? The uh, shuffle, the, what, what's Cupid the one? Shuffle. The Cupid shuffle. I, oh, I can still keep up. <sighs> I, I can do a couple of them. A couple of them are a little too fast for me. I was yeah. like, no, nah, but it was, it, was, it was just a great time. It so. was a, it was a, an amazingly beautiful time. Like just the food. And, and then of course people come up and everybody's like, oh, this is fun. The kids are just having a blast. And then when the food starts coming out, of course, naturally it was like, how much is a plate? You know, how much does it cost? Cause there's an assumption and it looked like, I would have thought it was like a food truck or something. I mean, no, it's the worst thing about going to a barbecue when you don't know the people cooking because you don't know. Like, can I just get some? Yeah, and we're like, come on. Everybody man. got. And we're fat. trying to be COVID safe. Kids and, you know, all, all that, but it was so good. And then yeah. we had we went and got toys for the kids, like games. We had hula hoops out there, sidewalk chalk, bubbles. Um, you know the games you put on your hand and it and it sticks to the thing and oh just. The kids out there were just having a blast. It was oh, water guns. That was fun. Yeah, no, nah, really, my man. Yeah, my man yeah. brought the water guns. It was with just the like dope. backpack water guns. Yeah, that was dope. That I gotta bring really this dope. picture in because this was like the aftermath. It was it was crazy. Will this picture come in? There it is. That's the aftermath. That's AB <laughs> we right got there. Cleaning up and load unloading. Yeah, that was a yeah, lot. Shout I out mean, to AB. It was just a dope, he dope, dope thing. day. Yeah. So that's gonna y'all gonna see more of that. We talked about it. We are gonna do one of those every month. Our next one is going to be back at Risedale, bigger than that one was, and then we're going to start jumping around the city. So yeah, shout out to Black Lives Matter Lansing for donating the funds. Uh, shout out to everybody who got with AB and got him food. I mean, yes. we talked about it a minute ago. He was like, I was like, bro, we could have probably tried to figure out, like, he's like, nah, it's got to come from the, like, all the families brought brought plates and Just people greens. walking up with, yeah. like, Them handful. greens was cooked in a real kitchen. That wasn't in no yes. shop. Like, that was some real, and you could tell, I didn't have to put no hot sauce on mine. It, it was, was just so slapping. Good. Oh man! So it was and just, it was baked macaroni too. Yeah. So it had like the crust on the top, and then when you cut into it and open the sweet it, potatoes, the cheese was just oozing out the middle. Yeah, uh, it was. Oh, it was dope. But oh, so, if yeah. anybody there came across my cup, I'm really I'm on the search. For it that. might still be there, low key. Maybe it was. It was yeah. under the bleachers. My favorite you know what cup. we didn't I'm see so out bad. there last night? What? One police officer. Thank really? you. Yeah, they Bro stayed away. I appreciate it. They didn't come giving us no grief. I was worried about that. Yeah. I swear, I was like, I really hope. But they didn't that, need like, to be there though. The no. OGs was there making sure everything was took care of. That's it. So it was just a dope time. But, um. So, anyways, yeah. that's what we doing, yeah. man. I think we just done going. The city gonna have to stay where they are until we get some. Uh, until we get some new, some new blood down there to really try to search into what, how they can help out. But up to this point, uh, we good. Yeah, Claretta Duckett Freeman showed up. Um. Also, Farhan showed up and talked to the people. So it was just a good time. It was a good mixture of old, young. I mean, all the way up to the oldest OGs. We had, I think, fifty-five-year-olds out there running, sixty-year-olds out there running. I mean, like yeah, running the race. Style. Yeah, we 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 did the old family reunion races. It was just, a, it, was it was dope. a dope time. <laughs> it was, it was, a, yeah. it was amazing. So we still under a Lansing ceasefire. Uh, we haven't seen anything in four days and counting i hate to even talk about it you know that's one of those things but just continue to pray Prayers just continue up. to pray every night every uh day. that we can get through these nights without losing a, a young person you know period or anybody at, for that matter to gun violence or any other type of violence so all right so we gonna bring ellen you ready 
Yeah, I'm ready. All right, so here we go. We're going to bring Elvin Caldwell, candidate for fourth ward, into the picture. Uh, oh, did you want to bring that up? No, I can just read it. Okay. So we have Alvin Caldwell for fourth ward, and uh, his slogan is working for you. He is an educator that has worked with schools and youth in the community at large. Um, he's a realtor that assists families in purchasing and selling homes, a legislative consultant advocating for working families and local businesses, an entrepreneur that partners um, Umbrella Sock Company with local nonprofits to give back, also an outreach coordinator that connects the community with valuable resources. And in his words, he says, I firmly believe the hardworking, creative, and giving people of Lansing's fourth ward can't wait for elected leadership working for you each day focused on solving problems to improve our community on all levels. I am running to do that. So that is Alvin Caldwell. And something that he likes to do, which we'll have him talk about, is he says very openly, you can call him directly. Call me. So to talk about that, welcome to the show, brother. Awesome. Yes, Thank you for having me. Good to have you here. Uh, I got to ask, man, what is the phone? What is the phone? It's Elvin Caldwell. You call me, uh, I'm accessible. Uh, Caldwell is, is, is no... No accident, it's my name. My name is Elvin. It means magical friend like an elf. And my last name is Caldwell. And you can call me, and uh, hopefully the phone call goes well, and we get some uh, solutions out of our conversation. But I'm, I'm engaging everybody. I want to represent everybody in the fourth ward, uh, crossing ideologies, crossing political platforms. And I'm open to that. My number is 517-225-6389. We're not shying away from it. Uh, call us. Call Caldwell. All right. I'm going to ask you one thing. Bring the mic a little closer if you can. Absolutely. Everybody can, people can, yeah, there you go. So, so as you can hear, when I'm talking directly into it, we got a good, good, good sound. But I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, as you know, we're doing this series and we're bringing, trying to bring all the candidates on. I'm, I'm sure there's a couple we're just not going to get on here, but I'm sure Brian T, your competition will be here. Question for you, though. I talked to Brian T about y'all and, and you running and I was like, y'all cool, though. Y'all yeah, know I'm each other. Brian. Brian's a role model in the community. Uh, yeah. Great family, man. Yeah. Representing uh, Father's Day. He does it every day. Yeah. Uh, but running for Fort Worth City Council is something that we both want to do. Uh, I have some different ideas and a different approach. And I want to engage the voters to see if in November, if they're open and uh, acquiesce with something new in the fourth ward when it comes to uh, going to work each day focused on solving the problems as it relates to them. Yeah. Gotcha. That's something I want to bring to the table. So did you guys have a discussion before you got in, or did it just kind of hit him in the head? Like, oh, man, my man, L running <laughs> oh, against no, me, dog? no, I think everything should always be handled, you know, tactfully, diplomatic, and with a, with a degree of respect. So uh, we definitely had conversations, and okay. those were the principles within the conversations on both sides. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, representing the, the fourth ward is something that, you know, we can't take for granted. Yeah. Uh, it's something that I feel like, you know, some of the hardest working, the most creative, no disrespect to any of the other wards, but, uh, you know, the fourth ward is where Lansing began. The first plow road, first dam, first meal, first lumber factory, James Seymour, uh, some of the first settlers in this area when it was just a swamp land, they, mm -hmm. they hit a lick by telling people to move to Lansing and it wasn't even, you know, developed. And mm -hmm. years later it becomes the state capital. And I mm -hmm. think that goes to so just the people who inhabit and who have inhabited the fourth ward have always been some of the hardest working, creative, and giving folks. 
That sounds good for the fourth ward, but I'm a third ward guy, so that's all. It's all good though. But you know what I'm saying? I don't know how to feel about that, bro. We work hard well, I too. Do, I do, I don't do. you run for at large? You ain't gonna get it now. You didn't talk about my ward. No, we, we get a different uh, historical standpoint. But I, I love history. That's something I studied. Yeah. Uh, back at K College and bringing that over when I moved to Lansing is something that really interested me. Yeah. You know? So tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, I I think I first met you back when Giannis was running. Uh, we had, we had, uh, she had invited us somewhere. I think it was a fundraiser and I had met you there and then, you know, we see each other in passing. Not a, not a, not a real tight relationship, but I know you well enough to know you're a good dude. For sure. Uh, just tell us a bit about your history. Like who, where'd you come from? What'd you do? Like, what'd you, you know, you went to college, you said, mm-hmm. what, what's your life? Tell, tell us a little bit about your, uh, your time up to now. Absolutely. I was, uh, I'm from Flint, Michigan, uh, the home of the sit down strike, 1936, uh, UAW GM, uh, the guys wouldn't come out. The ladies bust out the window. So I'm all about organizing. I'm all about uh, women's rights, also propelling pro- progressiveness. And then seven months later, you have the labor uh, labor whole situation here in Lansing where they arrested the labor leaders from uh, Capital City Wrecking. And they organized and got thousands of people at the Capitol until where uh, Judge McDonald had to free the uh, labor leader's wife. He shouldn't have arrested her. And that was the labor holiday here in Lansing, six months after the first sit-down strike in Flint. So labor is key to me. I grew up, my dad was a UAW member, uh, afforded me a great college experience. I grew up around great men in the city of Flint, went on to Kalamazoo College where I played basketball and ran cross country. Uh, high school, I did International Academy of Flint where I was I was involved student. And I think I learned about representation and leadership in, in high school. We, were, we had a thing called Student Life Organization. And it was where students were able to do things on behalf of students and for the school campus as a whole. So we had a mini school administration as students. And I was elected to the activities prefect my ninth grade year. And I was wavering. I was never really like a good student or on, on top of everything, but I was passing. But the, somebody saw it at me to make me activities prefect. And I became the P. Diddy on campus. Every <laughs> week we had a dance. And I was able to see the importance of relationships. I had to be cool with the janitor because I would ask him to stay late. You know, I mm-hmm. need you here till 10 o'clock to help pick up after us. And some mm-hmm. of us be disrespecting my mans in the cafeteria during lunch. Yeah. So we had to build relationships across the whole school community. Uh, when it comes to uh, the administration, we had to have relationships with them to get money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember the height of it was we had an event we used to call it the end of the weeky freaky deaky. And, uh, <laughs> we would use the entire school building. So in the gym, you have basketball. In the exam hall, you have a dance. On, in the backfield, you have seven-on-seven seven flag football. And it got so big that not only did staff and teachers want to come, chaperones, people wanted to participate. So now the seven-on-seven seven football is teachers versus students. Mm. And in the gym is teachers versus students. So we were able to like build culture, a culture of ownership amongst students, a culture of ownership amongst teachers, too, because they felt like they were a part of what these kids were doing mm-hmm. uh, outside of the classroom and enforcing us to do stuff. And that was a, a great experience. And the height of it was when me and my buddy, Chris Collins, were on the school PA system at uh, about 3 o'clock. We asked if we could do an announcement preview. And we did a skit, a whole skit, like, hey, man, what you doing? I'm going to the end of the week, you freaky deaky. And we were able to do that on the school-wide announcement system. And uh, the school was pretty much, we had keys. Like, mm. They trusted us. Mm-hmm. Like we, we were able to do a lot of things. And moving here to Lansing, I became the student life coordinator uh, at the Mid-Michigan Leadership Academy. So I was in a a position where I can empower and give students ownership similar to that. And the height of, of that for me was when uh, in 2014, I had some eighth grade students my first year and they knew I was from Flint. 
And I came into my office one day, and they were on the phone with different people. Because I used to tell them, don't, don't ask me to call a DJ. You, know, mm-hmm. you all want to DJ. You put it together, mm-hmm. yeah. Right. So they called. They said, oh, we want to give water to uh, Flint. <laughs> and they were putting it together. And I mm-hmm. said, who all have you called? They had already had maybe 100 cases. We started organizing uh, all of the stakeholders here in Lansing, uh, Dean Transportation, uh, just all of the major uh, companies, they, they gave us a sizable amount of water. Dean, they donated two buses, and we went door-to-door in Flint and some of my neighborhoods. And these were kids from Lansing who saw a need 45 miles away from them and, and took their time and effort to do something about it. So I, I've seen the collective genius come around young people, uh, and I, I want to create an opportunity for us to do things like that at City Hall, where we have not only ownership and youth, but folks who typically don't feel a part of the conversation where they are, where folks are feeling connected. Appreciate yeah, that. So, absolutely. um, Giannis brought something in here that I got, I got to touch on. It seems very, uh, I don't know. I don't know what, what the conversation was supposed to be, but she says, do you think if two white men were running for a ward, they will be asked that question. Why are you running against each other? It's like asking friends that are two different track teams, why they are running against each other. They can still be friends. There is much more involved than meets the eye. It shouldn't have to be adversarial. Maybe other candidates can take their lead and act like gentlemen like Brian and Elvin. Um, I don't think that I would make a conversation that's going to be like I'm not taking into account that these are two black men. I don't think that's how I asked you the question. No. I thought the question came off pretty well. Yeah, if it was two white men, I would I would still ask them that question. Yeah, if they were friends, yeah. I think it's a great podcast question. Yeah, that sounds like somebody's <laughs> got a complex. Maybe that they're concerned about that question being asked. But oh, yeah, I, I would ask that with the yeah, maybe just with the political climate that we have. Typically, people with difference of values or opinions don't even sit in the same room. Mm-hmm. And, and for us to have two political campaigns against each other and still be able to maneuver in a way that's respectful of all. We're black. We're representing black men at the end of the day, too. Mm-hmm. And we're representing men and we're representing political candidates. I, I think it is something uh, that, that should be it should be talked about and it mm-hmm. should be uh, put on the forefront uh, because political discourse doesn't have to be so nasty right. as we've made it. Uh, and that's something I think that uh, that we do have a, a, a decent example of here in the fourth war. It was exceptional to me when I talked to Brian about it because I asked him. You know, this was just on the street one day. I was like, man, we, I, I was like, what's going on with, you know, the, the whole situation with that over there? And he was like, man, we get along. We get, I was just telling me how great yeah. y'all have a relationship. And I was like, that's key. That's that's yeah. should, people should be able to say that. Absolutely. And the way that you explained it was like, it's nothing. It's nothing with us, too. It's just, you know, I have, you know, might have different ideology than he has. And that's mm-hmm. cool. We're going to run. And I think one thing that you said that I thought was important, you said whoever they decide. Like whoever they decide at the end that they want to do it is is the is the person too. for it. That you're giving that power to the people and, and not going to press that. You know what I'm saying? I Absolutely. felt that was good. Absolutely. And then at the end of the day, it's, it's great things that people can do outside of public office and great things that people can do, you know, in public office. And I I, I want to bridge the gap in any capacity. I've done that at charter schools. I've done that at Umbrella Sock Company. I've done that at Fraser Consulting. I've done that at Community Realty. I've done that at everywhere I've been. And, and I want to do that from the fourth ward city hall. Of course, and I think yeah. uh, rather, um, I think people, rather they're in office or not, they still should be relevant to the conversation because at the end of the day, they still are citizens, uh, and they still do have some type of uh, respect and a following, and mm-hmm. so we should we should definitely consider that. And I think, uh, you know, if I'm elected council person, I would reach out to count, uh, former council person Jackson as a resource, and mm-hmm. I would hope it be vice versa. And I think that could build political uh, agency in Lansing and to build, you know, the political culture and more race here 
to a way where it's not as negative and toxic as it is in, in most places. Yeah. I think you touched on something really important too, just even talking about reaching back to people and, and bringing them back in as a conversation because there's a lot of feeling that even with city council that, that there's just not a lot of that, right? Mm -hmm. You know, people feel very unheard. They don't feel like council's really listening. Um, I, I was just talking about that with someone today. We used to do our shows late, right? right? Because we were on council, but it's like you get to a point where if you feel like you're not being listened to, you can't just call your council person up and they're going to listen and, and not just hear you out and then say, okay, placed on file, right? right, right you know? Right. So you saying, well, I want to restart this conversation back up with the people. That is something that we're Man, lacking right ain't now. nothing wrong with saying what it is. Plain and simple. Mm -hmm. I'm going to run against whoever I'm finna run against. Absolutely. And you can ask me about it and I'm going to tell you. I'm running because I want to do this. And the person that's in there is not doing that. And so I don't have no beef with that person. I'm just going to run it this way. Now, if I was to run for mayor, there's some beef there, right? Because I got an issue with the person doing specific it. Specific. Specific. Yeah. But I still would be doing it for the people. Absolutely. But if somebody asked me that question, I don't care. I've said this over and over again. I don't care if you black, white, what you are. If you suck, then you suck plainly. And I can still like you on the hoop court or where we are having a drink together, but you suck at that job. Absolutely. That's it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not getting one way or the other in this candidacy yeah. between y'all two. I'm just saying that it's not that outlandish for somebody to be like, that's my dog, but bro, I want that too because I just or, feel like... And also, people do things differently. Everybody yeah. has a different approach and everybody has a different way of doing things. And yeah. I think we lose that. Like, we can't... Well, if I if I like that person, like I've said, there's a couple council members rock. that I like. I'm like, I like. I think they're a great person. They're a dope person. But I don't like the their voting history. Right. I don't like the way they voted on certain things. Yeah. You know, I'm just yeah. like, I don't... Or I don't like the way they approach this issue. I'm, I'm cool with the way they approach that issue. But the way they approach that issue is a real problem for me. That's okay. Okay I think that the world we live in today is you can't have a disagreement and say, I don't like the way you do that without mm -hmm. somebody on the outside thinking that that's a generalization of their whole life. Right. I don't dislike your whole life. I just right. don't like the way like you buy regular 2% milk and right. I don't drink that. I yep. drink, you this know, almond milk. milk. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I don't hate your whole human being <laughs> because of that, bro. I, I, so I drink almond milk. I think, it, I, think it's a, I think it's a good question. I think people will probably ask that question, especially in the black community. What's going on? Is there a beef say, there? That is a when you guys get down to a debate, it's going to be concerning. Like how, how people want to know that. Like, how is that going to go? Um, so debates, though, <laughs> speaking on that, that's mm -hmm. going to be one of those situations I think will be tight. I don't know how y'all going to move through that, but it's y'all. Y'all are all going to the, you know, to the general because there's nobody else in there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for sure, you're going to be in the general, you know, for sure, you guys are going to be up against each other in debate. How would that be? You know what I'm saying? To have to point out some some things that you may have watched and be like, it's, but it's not it's not about personal stuff like we talked about. It's, it's really about the residents in the fourth war. Yeah. And when I'm at doors. I'm not asking folks how they personally feel about things. I'm asking yeah. folks, what do they need in representation? What yeah. do they want to see? What are some of the things that, that is missing? Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and to be fair, I'm going to make those statements just as I've heard them from the folks at doors. What have you heard? Uh, hey, I, was just gonna I wouldn't that. be running. Folks are dissatisfied. Mm -hmm. Folks want to see uh, elected leadership that's willing to go to work each day, present, mm. uh, willing to do the job and focus on solutions to fight for them, all yeah. of them. Uh, yeah. Rather the ideology, rather the political difference, they want people working. And mm. uh, I've brought value and I bring lasting impact to organizations and uh, institutions I'm a part of, and city council would be no different. Mm. Uh, and the personal relationships I have from students to parents, that comes from being accessible. You'll see me at, you'll see me, you'll call me. So Caldwell. Yeah, I know uh, at Michigan when buses <laughs> yeah. were running late and I've never been a bus driver, 
But I would get calls at 5 a.m. We'll take them. Yeah. Because I told people they, they could have busing, and my number's on the bottom of it. Yeah. And I stand by it. That's why I bring the phone. I'm called well. I, I stand by it. I don't run. I, if I miss you during the week, I'll call you Friday. That's yeah. my return call day. But, I mean, it's all about being president, being relevant in the lives of folks. So I got to ask. You were on a BLM uh, call, and you had said something that sparked interest of all of us at BLM, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, I'm in co-lead at BLM. There's multiple other people. You know, BLM is like, I, I feel like the the room, nobody ever knows. Everybody always asks, who's all in BLM? It's not for you to know. When you're in there, then you know, like the Masons, right? Well, not like the Masons. I don't <laughs> no, want to say that. But yeah. It's the idea that people can be in this room and be protected in that room. But the conversation in that room was like, why did he say that? Mm -hmm. Because the question was asked, and you you know, the diplomatic way that you talk about it sounds great, but mm -hmm. when you said that you wanted to make space for Black Lives Matter, but then also Blue Lives Matter, mm -hmm. that was concerning to people because in, in, in our understanding, you know, I shouldn't say our understanding, the truth of the matter is there is no blue light. Mm -hmm. So what what did you mean by that? Can you elaborate on I that? Mean, I mean, exactly what I said. Uh, I said Blue Lives Matter was an occupation. And mm -hmm. I said, well, and it's, it is an occupation. Yeah. And, and I still stand by it when folks are in need, when I go to doors, I know folks who, who need to call Blue Line, mm -hmm. and they feel comfortable doing that. And they live in the fourth ward, and their voices matter to me. Mm -hmm. And I'm a black man. I think no matter what I say, my skin doesn't change. Mm -hmm. uh, I get pulled over. I have the nervousness that I've inherited for from years. Uh, I have my own situations. But when it comes to representation, I believe that in the fourth ward at city council, it should be a space where black lives matter for sure. Uh, I think we have to remind folks that black lives matter. And that's that's the problem we have in the society that we have to constantly remind folks that black lives matter. But we do have to leave space for all the other identities that make up the four four. Mm -hmm. And and to me, I have officers who I know who are black men. I don't throw them under the bus as police officers because they're police officers and black men. I see them as black men who go to work, put on a suit as a police officer and have to do their job. Just like when I have to walk in different spaces and you might say, because I'm a lobbyist, I'm one of these guys. But when you look down at the surface, I represent a small client, which is mostly 50% women, 30% uh, usually are under poverty, and 20% uh, are usually from other countries. So the term lobbyist might be a bad taste in your mouth. But when you look at it on a personal basis, I, I feel like that person should matter. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and as a council person, uh, I have to create a space for that. Yeah. And that's important. I to think me. the more concern was that you know, in the Black Lives Matter movement, the Blue Lives Matter is used as a, it's like a dagger. It's all, it's like almost like all lives matter. Blue Lives Matter, the word, the phrase has always been used like in this way of, you know, beating down the movement in the, st in the well, statement. Well, it's, it's existence and it's creation. Was, was in result. Yeah, it was in to. response so, to. I think that's the most important thing. So I think like the, 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 the understanding, the question would be asked is like, do we believe that blue lives exist? Or do we believe that, you know, you're, the way you're saying is that police, you know, have a space, too, that needs to be understood and whatever the case is. But the blue lives matter. Just the phrase alone to us, to me, specifically as a black man, uh, you know, that I'm begging people to realize that my life matters. And then this other group that just has an occupation, like you said, of, of you know, blue line that they they came up with that blue line. This is not like something that was like when they. When they hired on back in 1962, they was like, you know, this we're all blue lives over here. Let's make sure. So I think that's the that's the problem is like, you know, that that was the concern from Black Lives Matter. I mean, so, you know, we're America. So this is separate. But mm -hmm. for even with America, like we 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 don't play the blue. You know, we don't play along that line. Like you can be a police officer and be 
you know, what you believe to be a good one, but you still work in a system that creates Blue Lives Matter in order to go against Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. So that was the concern. Like when when the statement was made, it was like, damn, like we didn't have to go there with no, it. No, but I, I'm a black man. I, black Lives Matter. I go in spaces and I, I have to use my presence or my voice to remind folks. Uh, and, and so I, I you got to remind them you black. No, That's I have, like... have to remind them Black Lives Matter. Oh yeah, yeah. When okay. you're in certain rooms and people make decisions, and yeah. you have to be like, whoa, my my folks won't stand for that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and so Black Lives Matter everywhere, but sometimes yeah. we have to remind folks, but. As I'm going door to door, and I want to represent everybody in the fourth ward, mm -hmm. and, and I, I want to re really have accessible leadership that's that's working for everybody. What about what about people in the fourth ward who who would want to you know who would want to do things to harm black folks? So uh, you know we always talk about this like we can agree to disagree as long as your disagreement doesn't impact my life in mm -hmm. a dangerous Is it way. The impression? There are going to be people that maybe you can't represent because they represent something different. I guess, I guess my idea, like if I ran for council, I would have to definitely let it be known. Mm -hmm. My focus is this, you know what I'm saying? I want to represent all of y'all, but I also know that the fourth ward right, right now, as we sit are pressuring Brian T Jackson for this five new officers and yada, without thinking about the impact that's going to have on the black communities within a ward, right? You got all the way up to Turner street, you got the West Side neighborhood, all of that, right? And so really, in the West Side neighborhood, it's so unique. It's like Grand Rapids, where you could be on one side of the street and it's mm -hmm. $500,000 houses, and on the next side, you got an impoverished, impoverished. neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So who do we listen to? This is a conversation I had with uh, Adam Hussein, and I told him, I was like, you know, you got a real funky ward. Mm -hmm. Like, you got the third ward, who, who, who you've got some neighborhoods that are very, uh, you know, impoverished, and then you got, you know, up past Mount Hope, you know, you got them areas like not past Mount Hope, but like right before Boston Ave, all of that, where there's a lot of money. Absolutely. How do you represent all, all, all forms, you know, while not doing things again? Like when I read the West Side Neighborhood statement on, you know, Brian T. Jackson voting on this thing, it didn't take into account that it's going to it could be dangerous to, to the black community that's within their ward. So how do you. How do you reconcile. feel to reconcile yeah. that? And I appreciate the distinction on it because I wanted to say that I appreciate the distinction that you're, what you're saying is I want to make space for these people, mm -hmm. but we always have to be very honest and intentional about who those people are and why those things like that matter to them because the third word isn't as um, complex as I would say like the fourth word, Adam's word, but it's got some of those layers in it the fourth, just by street. Fourth word is so diverse uh, and, and that's why I think we need diverse of, of people's opinions considered. Uh, not just one way. I, I read the West Side newsletter thing, uh, what, what, as it relates to the count, the vote tonight. Uh, but I would, I would vote. I'm voting to protect Lansing residents. I'm voting to build business. One of my biggest priorities, I think, is addressing gun violence. And we know that if we put money into community-based organizations, if we put money to turn risk factors into uh, resilience factors, such as high poverty to stable jobs or mm -hmm. uh, unstable housing to affordable housing. We know those things that matter, but as a fourth ward council person, I want to be able to bring things back to the city. And, and in order for me to do that, it has to be some degree of public safety. Mm -hmm. And I'm for police accountability. Uh, I'm for transparent. I mean, I'm for accountability through transparency. Mm -hmm. and, and the way we can get there is allowing allowing police uh, room to improve, but also being tight enough on them to where they know they have to be accountable. Mm -hmm. And I think with us being at the crux of a political year, we have a, an interim chief getting ready to serve. We should be drafting criteria for the new chief. Yeah. Uh, and that's something I would be working on. Uh, that's something I'm thinking about now. Uh, what, what should be the new things that 
we as of this progressive city of Lansing, what should we be looking for in the chief? Mm -hmm. Those conversations should be being had now. Uh, mm -hmm. So I, I think uh, I have a very unique uh, uh, view when it comes to uh, policing and reform because I think right now it's an appetite on both sides in the state capitol and nationally for police reform. And mm -hmm. I think if we could package it up in a way and move in politics, sometimes you have to be pol politics. I, I, sometimes you have to participate. Uh, I know if you go to a bullfight and you're in the audience and you end up in the ring with the bulls, you can't say, I don't participate in bullfighting. Mm -hmm. You have to quickly learn how to navigate bullfighting. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we have to throw ourselves in that political ring. And it may be, unfortunately, we might have bulls running towards us because we, we black, we wear red, and, and sometimes we just look like targets to the institutions that be. But we have to quickly learn how to navigate and we have a, a unique position that we're in with a new chief coming in. Uh, we also have a, a, a unique position where Lansing is, is changing. It's drastically different than what it was four years ago. So you, you made the statement that you would want to be figuring out, like, you know, what's the new, what's the, what are we going to do for a new police chief? So ideas that I have. For First of all, I want to talk about the vote that happened tonight. Did you heard the conversation earlier? You were in the back room while we were talking Did about the vote. The come vote. Out? I don't know yet. Did the vote happen? I don't, I'm not sure. Don't I'm sure we'll get live updates. I don't People think are it's done yet. About it. I think it's still going on right now. So my question to you is, do you believe that these five new officers will make us safer? The five new officers? Yeah. If we took this grant, hired five new, new recruits, does that make us safer in your opinion? It's perception for some. It may be perception of safer for right. some, but that's a reality for some. Uh, but for me, the five new officers would be a tool for economic development. I know when I'm going for foundation money for the fourth ward, when I'm going for attractive uh, economic development opportunities to come from folks, I, I, I want to be able to say we're we doing something about public safety from a police standpoint. But in the meantime, I'm also working to invest in those risk factors and to turn those resilience into resiliency factors, too. So I don't I don't want to be just boxing off and fighting off the issue on this hand, but I want to have a, a multi-level approach because the crisis we're in was not built up overnight and it's not going to be fixed with one policy recommendation. It's going to take some real digging into the grassroots at the same time as monitoring and, and giving police enough space to make moves, but being on, their, being on them enough to where they have to be accountable, accountability through transparency. So through policy and I think through actions and through the voice at the council, being able to hear your council person, being able to see your council person, uh, actually working on those things, I think, could bring some uh, engagement that we haven't had in the fourth war, and it could also bring some new economic development opportunities for all in the fourth war, because when I get to the doors, the, the top four things is addressing the gun violence. We address the gun violence, we can create more economic development Absolutely. opportunities. Because we're not going to do nothing if the city is on fire. Nobody's going to want to bring nothing here. So with that being stated, I guess my question is then, why now, not for you, but the city, why now, why so late? Why is this? I, does it not feel like to you? And you can answer this if you want to or not. But I'm going to ask the question. Does it not feel like to you that all of it is performative? It's not necessarily meant to really fix the problem. It's more or less to make people believe the problem is being worked on. The perception. That's what I'm saying yeah. is perception of what it is. And for some, the reality is this is going to do absolutely nothing. It just looks good to the people who I always talk about. There's two different types of people in the world. This is going to be your constituents. You're going to have the people who peek out the window and then call 911. And they're going to be the people that are on the receiving end of that. Those are all your constituents. So and this doesn't work. sound good to the people who are getting the window peeked at them 
it only sounds good to the people who are looking out the window. Just like when the city does these community engagements with the police, they come to the neighborhoods and the environments that are safe in their mind. They usually have a bunch of people rolling up in wheelchairs. I mean, literally, they were around here on homes in a south side one and they were at this church over here and I rolled past it. And there was, first of all, more police than people. But the people that were there were all like older white people. You know, I mean, literally in wheelchairs and so on. How is that effective? Like, how are you? There's a, there's this there's this divide. There's the people that call the police and love them. And there's the people who are just like, can you stay out of my way? You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you, the only thing they're here to do is arrest or, you know, ravage us. So, like, my question is, like, how is more of what's ravished and not fixed anything going to help it? Do you know what I'm saying? It seems performative. Does it not to you? I don't know the true intent, but if I got an opportunity to put public safety on the street, I, I want to be able to do it. I, I, I want to be able to put patrols. I, I want to be able to, uh, you know, provide public safety. I think that's the key to economic development. But I also want to be able to keep police officers accountable. I think in the state house, we have a great opportunity yeah. right now with, with uh, the eight can't wait. Abandon of the chokehold, mm. uh, continuum of force uh, uh, for for police officers, uh, different uh, policies when it comes to internal investigations. I think we need to be a part of that, mm. and I think we'll miss this political opportunity if if we don't, and we just throw the whole you know opportunity away. I think we it's a place for us to navigate that, and it's a place for us to put officers on the street so we can go after more funding for my four four businesses, go after more funding for my four four uh, nonprofits. That's doing the real work. That's mm -hmm. doing the work to keep the kids off the street. Mm -hmm. But I know working at the school, uh, working at the Mid Michigan Leadership Academy, we had a unique respect, uh, respect and relationship with the police department. Uh, for times when we when we called, they they showed up professionally, using good judgment. We're working with young people. The police you talking about? Mm -hmm. Well, of course they showed up into an event where they're called. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying for events. I'm saying for a situation. Oh, yeah, oh like yeah, when yeah. you need them. And well, I think when eyes, when prying eyes are watching, they act, they, they act appropriately. But I guess my question to you is, I mean, through the conversation and what I'm hearing right now, it seems to me um, that you haven't, either you haven't dealt with it on a level or you're not talking to the ones who are dealing with it on a level to understand how threatening it can be or how dangerous it is. Like, What's going on right now in the city is dangerous. They're they're really targeting young black people. And any males riding two or three in a car are getting pulled over with no warrant, no reason. They're getting their cars searched. They're getting their phones taken. This is more of that to us. That's what I'm saying. Like mm -hmm. five more officers, that's more of that. That's just more people that get pulled over, turn people, young kids into criminal type thing. So I, I guess the, my thing is like, we don't ever talk about the investigative side. None, Nobody in the city wants murders on on the streets yeah. nobody yeah. does even nobody some, wants that so my question is that is that when these murders are happening i've had uh you know i've had uh i think we had six or seven mothers of of this this violence at the village the other day when we did the town hall mm -hmm. all cases unsolved all of them know the murderer mm -hmm. the murderers i walked into quality dairy on a couple of them oh, yeah. And we, you know, we want, we want, we want that to stop. So how does five more police officers stop that? Which five more detectives could probably stop that because they didn't have time to investigate. We understand there's an overload of this stuff. So I think like, I just look off the surface, like the surface says more police, more of this, more of that. Right. But ultimately it doesn't mean that these five new officers, they're just a breaking in point, you know, like years before they ever know their job well enough to do anything. So is it okay for us to ask for on the back end that y'all promote investigators? Because that's what you need. 
Like burglaries are going uninvestigated at all. Our house was burglarized. They stole a firearm out of our house back in 2015, I believe it was. Mm -hmm. The police came there and wrote a report and we never heard anything about that. I don't know if they found a gun. If they didn't find a gun, we never heard anything about it. When you enable people to do bad over and over and over again, it eventually turns into that gun could have been used in a murder. We wouldn't know. We reported it stolen. But if you investigate, find the people who did it, now they stopped at that point, maybe for rehabilitation, whatever the case is. But you got murderers out here that are just out here, and everybody in the world knows they did it, and the police aren't even investigating the situation. They're just on to the next one. It gets thrown in a pile until it eventually turns into a cold case, which we only have one cold case detective. But it also creates a really scary situation with retaliation, secondary shootings, and the cult, like just an environment where there's violence kind of in the air because there's a feeling of helplessness, no justice. I talked to you know. I talked to a young man right who is around and surrounded by this, and I said, "What's it going to take to stop this?" And he said, when the police start arresting people that kill, then it'll stop. Until then, that person that's out on the street will eventually be the next victim. His people are going to victimize the next, and it's going to continue. So, like, what you don't see ever is, I mean, transparency is a big one, man. I mean, you are right on point with that, that transparency is everything. And we don't see any of that right now in accountability. Uh, I don't know that things are in place that even when you take counsel, there's going to be something in place for a transparency as long as this mayor's still but in. I, I want to be aggressive counsel. I don't want to just be coming to meetings looking to see what we can take off the books. I want to be adding value. I want to add value to not only residents, for fort businesses. And, and we have programs such as in Detroit, the uh, Law Enforcement Assisted Diversion Program that's going to be launched in Detroit. That's something we could do here in Lansing. Mm. But we can't expect everybody who work in the city to be looking on things who prefer for the fourth war we need somebody on the first line looking for those things and mm-hmm. I, I mean the eight can't wait other prevention strategies like such as reclaiming spaces like y'all did at rasdale park this weekend mm-hmm. reclaiming spaces like they do all over and i think if we can do macro things uh, to address the problem as well as doing micro things to address the problem uh, i think we leave a good room for everybody to be a part of the solution so the mm-hmm. folks who don't want to burn it down they can go water plants mm-hmm. and i want to create a situation where where it's like that for everybody so maybe i'm not wanting to burn it down people but i'm watering the plants on the other side mm-hmm. and i still need burn it down people i do <laughs> i do but i need i need beautification people too yeah and, That's a fair point and i i want to so you you i mean you're speaking from fourth ward so it's not mm-hmm. like you're running for mayor so you can only do what you can do in your ward but when it comes down to it this is why wards are so important because there's eight votes mm-hmm and you'll be one of those votes. Mm-hmm. So as you see, uh, as you see, council has been moving up to this point. Um, what is a way that you feel like I've? This is something I want to. I want to jump on. You said gun violence, but what's something else that you want to jump on immediately, like from your seat? Economic development. Uh, I'm a big thinker. I started a sock company, Umbrella Sock Company, to raise money for nonprofits. Uh, that's that's a different idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to bring new ideas. Uh, so if we're not doing it, let's figure out why we can't. I don't want to hear that they're bringing these developments to Lansing. No, we're going to get these developments for people. This is what we want to see in the fourth ward as opposed to I'm bringing this because I got it from somebody else to the fourth ward. I want to bring these ideas that came from you and somebody I'm testing them to go find them and make them happen. Uh, so I want to put the customer first. I want to put the constituent first and who would be, be like uh, my clients. That's why I give you my phone. Uh, that's why I want to be responsive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think economic development would be the biggest thing, uh, creating opportunities uh, to leverage, whether it's state, uh, 
funding opportunities, whether it's federal funding opportunities through uh, some of the COVID relief, American Rescue Plan dollars, uh, PPP loans. I want to be that council person that's, that's your nonprofit needs some money. Well, you better call Caldwell because he's, he's navigating state and federal funds on for the fourth floor. And I, I think that's what I want to bring to the table. And I think a lot of people, if we put dollars in their pockets, not dollars in their pockets, but if we give them opportunities to put dollars in their pockets, a lot of the issues uh, that we see and that affect us, whether it's uh, internally or externally, a lot of them, we can address them, mm-hmm. you know, especially if we give people hope. I think hope goes a long way and an opportunity to a young man or to a young woman. Uh, that, that That's that's the embodiment of it. Right. What do you think about the mayoral race? I think uh, it's a lot of time left. Um, right now, I would like to see uh, more robust conversation coming from all of the com- candidates. Mm-hmm. I think we got a debate coming up on the 24th. Uh, but it's it's a lot of time left for the mayoral race. I don't think it's anybody's race right now. Uh, I think Lansing is right uh, when it comes to uh, an opportunity to be more progressive or to move forward when it comes to some of the social issues affecting us. Uh, but I'm I'm willing to work with whoever's elected mayor. I'm willing to work with the interim chief to find uh, the new chief. I'm willing to work yeah. with, with the stakeholders to make sure uh, that the fourth ward is, is thriving and flourishing for all, not just for you know, working families, but for entrepreneur families, for struggling families, for mm-hmm. families who are fluent. I want to make sure that the fourth ward is working or you feel like your council person is down there doing doing the job. So, Chief, I wanted to talk about it. I wanted to touch on that yeah, earlier and I missed it. But um, I just, I just, uh, the NAACP is, 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 is speaking on this and I think it probably played at six o'clock today uh, what they would, what they would want the city to be looking for and achieve. What what would you want to see? I mean, what are some of the things if you were to say five things that were from the police chief? Yeah, for in, in a police chief, like if if we're if the city is going to go look for a police chief, what are some of the things that are very important to you? I think one of the we main things I'll say for myself is that you don't hire from within. I think that that promotional part is hard when you have a, a department that has so much dysfunction. If you hire somebody from within, it kind of has involved with with all the bodies that are buried you're going to kind of have that that existing dysfunctional so that's one that's big for me is that the person comes from out of town or out of state so like what are some other things that you would say if you had control of how they hire this police next police chief what would be some of the main focuses of that person or qualities or Mm -hmm. things things you'd be looking for for that person first uh i would be looking for to see where they stand when it comes to the policy uh realities that we are currently close to in the state of michigan uh, currently, it's a Senate package introduced by Senate Republican leader uh, Mike Shirky on policing. There's one at the House level. I'm sure you are familiar with Sarah Anthony. Uh, and so it's a, it's a conversation that we can get into about uh, public safety. Uh, I forget what you all asked me. Uh, what, police chief. Police okay. chief. Yeah. Like, so, what would you want to okay. see in a so, police chief? Being that we got those bills, those bills all have language, whether it's reform issues. Where does the chief stand in his past department mm. on these reform issues that we're looking for in the future? Mm. So if he didn't, if he thought the chokehold was an appropriate maneuver in his past uh, experiences, chief, I wouldn't be interested as a fourth ward council person in this chief, especially if we want to be on the forefront right. of, of the reforms that we are in a palatable position for in Lansing. Uh, so I would look at those opportunities. Then I would also talk to the fraternal order, because if, if we're going for things that, and we know they hold power, we just, I mean, it's part of the political mm-hmm. climate. I, I got to play against the bulls. I can't pretend they're not existing. Right. I'm wearing red. I have to move and dodge. So I would go to the fraternal order with my same criteria. 
what can we get out of this? And I would probably add three more since I'm going to the source. You know, I'll probably add a couple more that are way more progressive and cutting edge so we can push the conversation. But I would I would present that and say, what's possible out of here? And maybe since I took them 13, they might say 10. Or maybe they say 13 and Lancet becomes one of the more progressive policing cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think being able to get in the ring with the Bulls, navigate the Bulls, and be able to leave with outcomes for everybody uh, is, is a key and a skill set that we don't have. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to the other council persons, I would be uh, using the rules of influence to uh, get their ideas, to actually get their vote. I would mm-hmm. lend my interest to some of their issues or lend my vote or my voice to some of their issues and ask for an opportunity for them to fill out some of my issues. Mm-hmm. And let's be reciprocal. Let's let's use human skills to right. build relationships and get things done. Right. And I want to work across the aisle and across ideology and do that. I'll listen to you on, on an issue that I may don't agree with on the surface. But you call me into your... Hey, Alvin, I want you to hear this out. Well, I'm going to do the same thing a week later when it relates to the fourth ward and my folks. I'm saying, mm-hmm. well, I need you. Remember how I heard you out last week? Mm-hmm. And you know I don't like them folks. Well, I need you to hear me out this time. Right. And I think that goes a long way. And those are soft skills that I've used in classrooms with young people. And those are soft skills I've used managing adults and employment. couple things. A uh, couple questions are coming in. We're going to get yeah. to some questions here. Got a lot of- uh, first, though, I want to ask... Um, I've seen when I've you know been watching the, the the council really heavy for like the last year and a half, and one of the things I noticed that was really disturbing to me is that when a council person brings something for their specific ward, meaning uh, Garza had brought that they didn't want to rezone the U-Haul or excuse me the Kmart on the south end, right? And U-Haul wanted to buy it, and Garza came and stepped up and said, "Hey, I don't want you know our, my neighborhood and my constituents don't want this," and I watched. Uh, a couple council people actually vote for that after Garza just told them that this is what my constituents want. So would you be willing to move in that realm that I think the council could be so much better if they listened to their ward and then everybody else respected what that ward states. If it's for the fourth ward and you listen to the people and they say this is what they want, nobody should go against that, right? I mean, would you be willing to fall in line of that aspect? No, I'm speaking for the fourth ward. Right. And, and and I'm using all of my skills and all of my tools in the toolbox to get people to see what I see, or I'm looking to see why they don't see common ground with me on the fourth ward. Yeah. Because, I I mean, I'm from the home of, of the, 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 the sit-down strike where brotherhood and solidarity is everything. And mm-hmm. if we can't get five votes on the council, there's very little that can be accomplished. Right. Well, so, that's where they're at now, it's pretty much. So I, w- I would be working and using relationships in, in mm-hmm. every way possible, unorthodox ways that council people probably haven't used. Mm-hmm. But I, I would want to use my skill set and everything I got from the magical friend called Well uh, to build relationships, find common ground, and to seek win-win opportunities for folks in the fourth ward, also in Lansing, mm-hmm. and hopefully for the region. Let me bring some questions in. Yeah, go back did you a pull any? Bit away. Yeah, did you pull any that you were uh, concerned with? If you guys have a question, make sure you put a question mark on the end of it, because yes. <laughs> I can know that's the question. I know one question is coming up because we were talking about obviously police chief, et cetera, et cetera. Um, just knowing the background and some of the history as of right now with LFD, it's been asked, "What do you think about the state of our fire department right now?" Um, I would do a similar similar thing. I would uh, look at who are the firefighter chiefs that are you know leading the state when it comes to the conditions of firefighters and i would see where people are happy and see if we can mimic some of those best practices but that's far that's far-fetched and the biggest thing is i think if we could let firefighters and everybody who's working for city departments or city agencies know that 
dignity, respect is something that we value. Uh, I've been in City Hall, for instance, going through security. And I had a lady, I don't know where she was from, but she got tight with my security folks at City Hall. And I'm checking that. I'm not even council person. I'm just look, walking in to drop off some flyers. I'm like, yeah, that's disrespectful. Mm. That's rude. So I think making dignity a top priority in, in your actions and your votes and in the way you uh, present yourself, I think uh, I could bring that when it comes to interacting with whoever is the new police chief and speak on behalf of those folks who are working so they can feel dignity and respected as they live and work in the city and Lansing. So there's some real solid issues that I think we can't move around throughout this process. And the fire department is one on this major. That's something that it's been widely stated, even by the mayor, that there's problems in the fire department. He won't say it publicly, but he said it when he didn't know. I've read it before. Yeah. So that's the situation. You have major issues within city departments, you know, not just the department, but even in the mayor's office and so on. And it's been asked of council to pull an investigation in these, to pull these people in, pull the chief in of the police, of the fire, of, you know, these directors in and find out what the heck is going on in these. So it takes a council to pull that investigation. That's your guys' investigatory mm -hmm. ability, and they won't do this. So I think going forward, the question is, like, what type of, you know, cojones or whatever it is does what, what, it take to be able to call this type of investigation and pull it, you know, what, instead of just sitting back, letting these things go on? One of the most effective things is is I would call, and we would we would do similar, call them out on their premises, uh, if – if the city operating book says these things are the way in which they recruit firefighters to become Lansing firefighters, mm -hmm. it's a diverse, it's a equitable position, and all these things that we talk about when people come on, mm -hmm. but they're not realized when they get there, mm -hmm. I would pull those right out of the bag. I would take the recruitment packet and go before, uh, rather it's the fraternal order or the mayor or whoever, whatever party we need, whatever bull we have to go up against, and say, this is what you said. Mm -hmm. And this is how you're not doing it. And I'll tell you an example. We were successful uh, back in 2017 or 18. They were trying to put a, a rehab facility next to the, the school and next to a daycare, a men's residential rehab facility mm -hmm. with 30 patients staying overnight next door to a preschool. I thought it was inappropriate. Mm -hmm. Many people who went to the school and parents from the community also thought it was inappropriate. Not saying anything about rehab or mm -hmm. men but the proximity was distasteful. Mm -hmm. So we went to the design planning office for Lansing and we got all of their premises. This mm -hmm. is the things they talk about. Then we went also and seen how the city talks about how rehab is something that should be regional. And we say, well, if rehab is regional per your understanding of it, why is it all concentrated here next to the school or why is mm -hmm. it attempting? So we want to beat them at their premises. Mm -hmm. We don't want to uh, beat them on the head with our song. No, we want to infuse into the jazz Mm -hmm. And they don't realize it, but now we're calling you out on your stuff. Mm -hmm. As opposed to mm -hmm. walking down with a boombox playing my rock. No, I'm going to just change the drum beat on the jazz song and change it to rock. Mm -hmm. So I think we were successful in that because the school was not able, they were not able to put that rehab facility there. And it was based on everything that they said they did in the design 2020 plan Lansing. And we so got a lot of, I guess, uh, you know, <laughs> you, you said something that I always say. The stuff that we need in place is already in place. The problem is they're just not using it. So policies, like, like, like we're trying to govern policies or change policies on racial discrimination and all of these things. The policy's there. Every city has a policy. Just use it. We, it's, it's an amendment. It's, it's in the Constitution. We want equal protection under yeah. the law. We don't want to be treated better. Right. We don't want to normalize uh, us being comfortable to be in the same room. No, we, we're fighting for equal treatment under the law. Right. And that's what it is. I think sometimes 
new buzzwords uh kind of makes people forget that mm -hmm. but the fight is for equal protection we're not fighting for anything else we right. want equal protection under this this law whether it's the law of uh, lansing municipal government whether it's the law of, of the united states code but we want equal protection that's what we want question came in from city did you have some can you monitor the questions yeah though? so well one thing i wanted to pull in is a recent comment from lauren because this was something that i think is important because a lot this of the one? conversation is um this one here? no it's later okay um but she said my annoyance is when brian t sends newsletters and tells us how fourth ward feels then ignores invitations for conversations the blue lives matter crew is loud but I don't know if they're actually the majority. Mm. And I think that that's a same struggle anyone so, would have. So, so Brian T. It's important to. It's important to name that and it's important to understand that because that crew, it, you know, if you want to kind of call that, is loud. And those tend to be the people. And I wanted to point that out earlier. So I'm glad she brought that up. And uh, Lauren is fourth word. So she is somebody that is very involved. She will call you. She will call Brian T. Jackson. Her household will do that. But Absolutely. not everyone in the fourth word will. So I think what she's saying is a lot of times, Brian T, you as a candidate are hearing a lot from that particular crowd of people, but it's not necessarily the majority. Mm -hmm. They are simply the ones that are most involved in the political landscape of things, I guess is the best way to put it. And something that I wanted to say is someone messaged something that came up on city council tonight. And this, this hits right to this conversation. So this person basically asked for Andy and Chief Green, and this is this person's words to city council, to flood the city with all available officers and bring in Homeland Security, FBI, and ICE to solve gun violence. Mm. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but I wanted to point that out because that often is the person in the crew <laughs> that you all will hear the most from that are saying, bring them all in, over-police the heck out of us. That's the problem. That's the, the solution to this problem. Mm -hmm. So what I would task you to do is um get to know what police reform looks like feels like and historically the data supports and doesn't support because i think that that is a really great concept that everybody feels good about and it makes people feel good to say well we can reform we can reform but i think what people are saying now is not hate the police it's more or less the data doesn't support that reform is working up to this point. So let's try something different. Is so I give think your, what people are asking to say, like, what does this look like? That's a lot of the questions. Give your conversation to, if they gave us not the village Lansing $47 million and said, Hey, stop, stop crime, stop violence. Got it. And we just sucked at it. <laughs> like they not, suck at it. We would not get, would we continue money. to get that? Like, would they say, Oh, you know, we're just gonna keep throwing this at them. See how they do better. Oh, you need more because you can't do it with what you got. You need more. Uh, that's the that's the that's the hamster wheel that we believe that we're on when they keep saying oh, more officers, more officers, more officers. Like, damn, you guys have had officers forever. It's not helping it because we all know they don't stop crime. Right. They show up with a piece of with a pen and a piece of paper and they take down the, the witnesses information and everything else. But meanwhile, you're laying on the ground I, bleeding out. I, I believe we're having both conversations. I, I, I believe I know that cops don't prevent crime. I know mm -hmm. that I know if we turn risk factors into resiliency factors uh, like such as. Uh, exposure to trauma. If we can get people uh, comprehensive support, that that changes a risk factor into a, a resilience factor. Mm -hmm. So those are our solutions that we have to seek. Uh, but at the same time, uh, public safety is something that we have to be able to uh, wrap our minds around, be able to uh, transform policing in a way to where it works for us in Lansing. Mm -hmm. I, I think 
if Lansing is to, to move forward and be successful, it's going to be public safety is going to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Rather, it's not in the way that we think of it today or the way it's been going, but public safety will be a part of making vibrant neighborhoods in Lansing. Public safety will be a part of uh, prov- pro- providing opportunities for working families. Public safety will be uh, a-, a tool for-, for economic development. So I'm not just running away from public safety because I believe reform won't work. I'm going to take a stab at reform every chance I get because I know on the other side I'm able to bring resources to the fourth floor uh, that I typically couldn't, and I'm able to push the conversation to accountability through transparency if I'm working with in the system or, or if I'm working on the nuances of the system. If mm-hmm. I'm working to put an impulses in the system, I can check on it. But if I'm not doing anything about it, it's hard to keep it accountable. Yeah. And I would, I mean, I, I will say this. You make some great points and you make some fair points and I can tell that you feel passionately about it. I, I personally don't agree with it because I have a different point of view on that, right? Mm-hmm. But I think from where you're coming from, it makes a lot of sense to me on why you feel the way that you do and why you want to take the approach that you do. And a lot of what I'm hearing is it's a means to an end. And I think a lot of people take that approach. It is a means to an end. You have some goals in the way that you, we talked about how people have different ways of doing things, right? Right, right. You can see this picture that you feel like is going to be effective, and this is the path to get there. And I think that that's fair. That's totally fair, and I get it. Me personally, and I will be very honest, I was I very seriously thought about running for council this year, simply because, but a lot of it is because means to an end isn't enough for me personally mm-hmm. because what if the path for that means to the end what is involved on that path and, the, and what potential destruction what potential harm what potential trauma can be caused on on that path i think that is where i don't disagree with the points and in, in in the research that you've probably done on on your stance because i think that that's that's fair you're saying i want to listen to everybody and i have a lot of people saying this i've heard that from several council members i've heard that from brian t jackson himself Mm -hmm. about that same situation i always push back to say you're only hearing from the ones that you know like we just had that conversation so what i would say and task for you um in this candidacy is to get out and talk to the other side of the fourth ward Mm -hmm. and have a really good candid conversation, you know, in that door to door to ask, you know, how they do feel about, you know, more policing and over policing and what that could do to them because the means to the end, it could be fruitful. I would say at what cost Mm -hmm. that would be always be the question is at what cost. And I think for me right now, the cost is a little too high. And the reason I say it's too high is because we have as a city have had the opportunity to hire more police officers for the last two years that is confirmed there was nine spots there was there was nine Mm -hmm. spots one isn't as an investigator a lot of patrol and we didn't take that opportunity so if it's about public safety i think for us as administration then that should have already happened right if we needed to beef up public safety so i think the timing is what creates a lot of distrust that's my question to you yeah. i just want this question and like answer this one do you think it's performative or not or do you think that they're like this was all in Genuinely. the works and this is just a genuine pull at trying to stop violence or do you believe like i mean is it is it performative in your opinion what you've seen come out of downtown from council and from the mayor does any of that seem performative to you or do you believe it's all just in, it's genuine and it's just not working performative or just genuine and it's just not working or well maybe it is going to work but it may take more time D- five more officers just immediately or or excuse me the task force right you just put together a violent crime task force of all people who are relevant to violence mm-hmm. 
does that not seem performative? And if you were in the city council seat, would you be willing to say that to him? It is. I wouldn't say it's performative. It's re, it's reactive for sure. Mm-hmm. Being that he had the resources, or or allegedly, we, I mean, we did have the cops grant. It's been sitting, uh, but and I'm sure it's, it, it may be other grants. It could be other grants sitting, uh, but. On the offside, I would say, is it performative or is it a real approach? I think it's re- it's reactive. And if, if it would have been proactive, like if we would have came out before the rash uptick in gun violence mm-hmm. and we, we want to put more cops on the street, of course me, people would be more palatable to it. Mm-hmm. But when you when you go to folks' doors and they, they need public safety, uh, you, you want to bring it to them as quick as you can. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think maybe... This was late because it came after two uh, back-to-back terrible homicides, uh, but I think it's react. It's reactionary for sure. Reactionary and effective, or just reactionary? Period. I mean, do you, I mean, I, I mean, your question is: Do you I, believe it'll be effective? Yeah, is this gonna work or put a dent? I know we already. It's gonna about do something. One. It's gonna curb. It's not gonna. I don't know if it's gonna curb violence because honestly, sometimes the encounters with police may create. They create violence, unfortunately, sometimes. So. But the perception when we have uh, opportunities that can come to the city and we know we have a, we don't have a full force and it limits uh, what we can do as a city, I think it changes us in that conversation. Bro, five officers, though. Let's Hold on. Let me just say this. Mm-hmm. Five officers. Let's just think about what that really means. You, you have you have like three different shifts, right? So right. these five officers, they're talking about basically adding one officer per shift. It's, it's, it's about one officer on the rail. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So we're not talking about some influx of forces coming in here like they did when, you know, they were worried about the Capitol being came in, like they brought the forces in, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. This is not that. It's very performative. You're talking about one officer per shift to come on. And it's like, that's what's that going to do? And, they, and it, the thing is, it's even the way that they tout it to us. It's like. We're going to have this extra group of people to be able to do this and that. And then we're going to be able to do this. No, you're not. You're going to have one more officer that's actually going to take another officer off his regular duty because he's going to have to train that guy and or that woman. And so, like, really, this is the most asinine situational response to what's going on right now, in my opinion. And it shouldn't be touted the way it is. And if I was going to do this, I would have probably done it from a very low key we're going to get these officers in because we've already had room to get them in. And this is what we're going to do with what we already have had. But they and then that's another thing. We, you know, I've heard this over and over. We're down 60 officers and yada, 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 yada. That's that's been for 10 years. They they took those officers away. It's been longer than that. This is not a scenario where and, and they'll say it to the uninformed voter that we're taking that we're, we're down 60 officers. This is why we can't do such and such and such. That's not true. And so this five officers thing is like literally one officer per shift extra. It's going to have to trail somebody for about six months. Then he's going to get out here and need a partner with him for the next six months. Let's look at the logistics of it. It's performative and it's terrible reactionary performance. It, it gives us an opportunity to keep them accountable. We, we get our new five officers and, and now we, we, we should expect something different. Have they been account? Have they been open to accountability up to this point? So I, I get what you're saying and I appreciate what you're saying. Listen, I hear you. What I'm saying to you is that the transparency and accountability thing only works when you have somebody up there that's willing to hold accountability. If they're not willing to take accountability for killing Anthony Hulon in a jail and they're willing to hide it all the way from the top rank down to the bottom and then lie about it and then act like it didn't ever happen. That's the worst a police officer can do or officers and a worst thing a chief can hide and a worst thing a mayor can hide and 
So I just feel like you're you're banking on the accountability being something they're gonna willing be willing because only they can take accountability. But they put if yeah. you put it out there, if you say we're gonna we're getting five police officers to address the uptick in, in gun violence, mm-hmm. we should have an expectation as as city council people. We should have oh. a measure as uh, city council people. So when we come back, uh, what can we do about the five officers? Are they are they working? Are they not? Uh, but for instance. I, when I go to folks' doors, and, and I'm, I want to represent all of Lance, I mean, all of the fourth floor, I know public safety is a part of the equation. I, I, I don't like the way the officers was rolled out, but I'm going to be for looking to get opportunities to get officers on uh, bikes, op- opportunities to get officers on the patrol, mm-hmm. and get them to build relationships. And you can only yeah. do that with bodies. I still want to okay. touch on accountability here. Let's do it. How do we hold them? Yes. How do we hold somebody accountable who is not willing to take accountability? Even so much so that they won't answer to they won't answer to. When's the last time they've done a press conference that wasn't pre-scripted or that you had to pre-register in, and then your comments came into another section that they fielded first? That's not accountability. So really, I think when you know you talked about these five officers and us being able to say to them, "Well, you got five officers. Like, where are you at?" Well, I feel I look at it totally different. I say we gave y'all forty-seven million dollars. Mm-hmm. Them five officers ain't none compared to that. $47 million. In the last year alone, they spent two hundred, I think $500,000 of that money on a new garage to hold their tactical bus that they bought and didn't need. And then $250,000 more to put them all in these militant black uniforms. There's no accountability because we can't even say, hey, we don't want our money spent that way. We'd rather have that be two, uh, two investigators or whatever the case is. So they're not willing to take accountability. What you're saying is in a perfect world that they take accountability for the things when they don't do something right or when they sell us this or, bill. Or when conflict happens, when we have to call them out on something. I mean, sometimes conflict is necessary so we can have those conversations and say, you didn't say, you didn't do what you said you would do. And, mm. and I'm calling So you're people. saying from your council seat, you're willing to do that? I'm willing to take, if I can take anybody's document and go on their principles mm-hmm. and tell them how they're not. I'm not saying from my personal opinion. Yeah. But I'm from saying, ours. Yeah. From what you said you would do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 You told me to buy the new Camaro cause it was a V8 mm-hmm. and it had new tires. And then I get it and it's a V6 and the tires I bought. You told me that I'm not, I'm not changing it because of how I feel. I'm mm-hmm. doing it on the principle. You didn't give me what you said you were given. Agreed. That, that is a very important distinction to make because what you're saying about accountability and transparency is great. That is what is literally needed. But like Dave said, Dave came in and said, you know, we've already done that, you know, with the literally we've already done that with the mayor and that doesn't work. Hasn't worked. So he said, we have done that with this mayor. We have called him out on the things he said and nothing that applies to the council city attorney we've called them out better we've question a, but we haven't been able to do much so we've been looking and you're saying well for my seat i would listen to that well that's what i want that that's what i want to ask you is from from what, how the charter is set up and what you believe to know about the council and their investigative uh means tell me how you would hold them accountable like what would let's, you do let's from make your a seat motion, uh to let's get data are we what kind of police data do we have uh, and I think we could build a lot of credible arguments to whether we're talking to the fraternal order, mm-hmm. to police chiefs themselves. You can't argue data. Uh, mm-hmm. So I want data on both sides and I can subpoena or I can offer a friendly amendment because I got relationships across the aisle, not just with the people who think with me. Mm-hmm. But I can say, hey, can we get can I get the amendment to where we keep data? If we're going to get five new officers, can I get data? Who are they pulling over or whatever uh, or, or any kind of intricate data that we know mm-hmm. can bring the conversation back to equity, people who are affected by policing and the long tragic history of policing. Uh, secondly, 
uh, the subpoena power. But a lot of these tools only come with five votes. Yeah. So if I'm only speaking to the echo chamber that agrees with me and not looking for any semblance of common ground mm -hmm. with somebody who's a little bit different, mm -hmm. uh, I'm really just hyping people up or I'm really just providing an amplifier. Mm -hmm. But I, I want to create an opportunity to where, for instance, at the state level, I have relationships with people on both sides of the aisle. So if we could get something done, and, and let's say that the Democrats write it up, and you're able to go to maybe, maybe sometimes it only takes three Republicans to get a bill through. Mm -hmm. But if you got relationships with 13 Republicans, you, you can usually, you could get three. Mm. Where, where if you got relationships and finding common ground. So with the council, rather maybe I'm on the side of, there's three of us and we, we want to see these data. We want to subpoena these department leaders to come in. That's and we it. need two more. Yeah. But it, it's not effective if it's just us three every week talking about how we want to do it. We got to find the small way to be able to send a carrot or send a bird, send a bridge, and to get somebody to come over. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that answers how you would. Uh, uh, and I would use know, my voice. Yeah. I would use my voice. I wouldn't be quiet about it. So, you, have you seen, I mean, like what you've seen from council up to this point on, on all of this, do you believe that they've been making an honest effort at it? I'm going to say no. I I'm mean, that's say no. perfectly right. Uh, because <laughs> because right. everybody who's on council, they know five votes is the only way you can get something done. So I they could mule do, up on each other. I could do whatever grandstanding, me and you, we could do whatever grandstanding, yeah. but is it going to have a, a realistic policy outcome for folks that we say we care about Right. other than making us feel good when we go home? Right. No. So I'll be the one take the flack in the meeting because I was listening and working with somebody people may not like, but at the end of the day, I'm coming home with that policy mm. that, that's better for all of us. Yeah. So I mean that's that's a, it's a strategy, man, and it's something I just I just don't really have. Um, I I mean I got a lot of patience, but some things that I feel real real urgent urgency on, and there's there's a, there's a certain way about some people that they can play the long game on something, and I mean that sounds like what you're talking about doing. And Brian T. Jackson came on Black Lives Matter Lansing. He said the same thing when he went on there. He said you know when he was asked why he doesn't be more vocal on certain things, he's he stated that he wants to be able to stay in the room, and if he gets too vocal you know, about things that he may feel real powerful about that, you know, he'll get pushed out, get alienated, you know, and, and oxed out. When you're elected, you're elected to be in the room. Right, right. Yeah. I think I think he's talking more to this sense that you are. Like, if mm -hmm. I if I just take this solid stance here, there's no room for conversation. There's no in conversation. Between. There can be no. So then they'll, like, mule up on it. You know what I'm saying? So he's got to try to, what he said is, uh, you know, I got to try to, you know, stay stay relevant is the words I think he used. And if I do too much, like if he's Mike Lynn in there, he's, he becomes irrelevant. Nobody will listen to him. Nobody will move on his way anymore. Then it becomes like this solid wall. Mm -hmm. So that is a task to be able to do that in that room. Uh, because, I mean, for, to be honest with you, I think uh, I believe there's about I believe there's at least five that are I mean, conservative. It, it, you know, Conservative might even be a conservative word for what they really are. <laughs> so where you stand as far as that goes, you know, where you know, you got Brian T. You got Kathy Dunbar and you got Brandon Betts, who kind of all kind of lay in the same area. And then you got the rest that are, you know, kind of more conservative, more mm -hmm. I feels almost like could be Republican area, some type of thing. Where do you fall in that line as far as, you know, when you have this progression, you said you talked about, want, you know, wanting to be progressive in this. You know, your cohorts ain't progressive at all. Like they're not. They're they're very, very conservative. They don't want to do anything without all the data and everything else. And it's like people are dying daily because you're waiting on this one thing to come back that you're not gonna agree on when it comes because you're not progressive really. So where do you think you fall into that? In the middle somewhere or 
I would say in the middle, and I, I think of progression and like when I talked about the the first labor or the sit down strike in Flint, uh, progression for everybody, uh, all of the benefits that come from the sit down strike of '36 did only benefit shop workers, but it was for everybody. So I think I'm progressive in that sense, not just uh, far uh, when it comes to the current or popular ideas and politics right now. But I mean, really, progression, the quality of life of, mm -hmm. of folks in the fourth ward. That's that's what I mean when I say progressive. Uh, when it comes to like my ideology, I will fall somewhere in the middle because I can, I can understand where people are coming from on both sides. But then I, I want to be able to uh, push the needle. I want to be able. Sometimes I want to be able to vote where where the fourth ward is. I want to be able to vote where we are, mm -hmm. where, where where my uh, constituents have, have put me. And if uh, policy on this side is great for the fourth ward. I want to be able to speak to that on behalf of the people. Mm -hmm. And if the policy on this side is terrible for the fourth ward, and we may be the only loan dissenter, I want them to know they got a representative who's representing their interests. Through your conversations with the fourth ward at the door, do you believe they get what equity is, truthfully, or do they just... Because, you know, I, I the thing that I keep hearing and that, that I understand is you're, you're in the middle of a campaign, right? So mm -hmm. it's like everybody, 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 but everybody doesn't need what these people need. Absolutely. So I have to look at the most marginalized that need the help immediately before I say, all right, we're going to do this for everybody. I mean, we want to focus on that, but what we really want is the constituents to understand that, hey, you're, you got it good, man. You're, like, you're already straight, but there's other people over here. They need this thing. And it may go against your conservative views, but progressively, we should all be able to understand that the, the most marginalized people in your neighborhood might be the ones that need help the most. Mm -hmm. And so that's the equity aspect. And ultimately, that's we, good for all of us. We have to we have to think I think like ultimately we have to be. This is something I'm big on. Like I was a big money man like my whole life. I was always into the I was always into the hustle, whatever it was, since I was a little kid, whether I was mowing lawns oh, or whatever, yeah. picking up bottles. I always want to have money. I always have had money. And I promise you, I'm telling you, that over the last two years, my my whole mind, I probably a little bit longer than that, about three years, mm -hmm. my whole mind has changed to where money is only a means to do help or do do good for people, right? So if I was the one sitting up in the big $350,000 house in the West Side neighborhood, my focus would be like, because I, I, asked, I asked this woman one time, we was at the BLM mural, and we were all out there helping, you know, paint it and whatever. And, and um, I asked this lady, she's always at everything, white lady. I asked her, I was like, you're always at everything for BLM. Why is it that you show up like this all the time? Like, what drives you? Mm -hmm. And she sat there for a second, I think, just trying to find the perfect words to tell, you know, Mike, who's standing there with an AR and a bulletproof vest on, mm -hmm. what's the right How thing to tell this guy? Uh, and then she said, I don't, I don't think it needed, I don't think she needed to understand how she felt. I think she just wanted to word it. But it took her like 30 seconds and she hung home and she thought about it and she was like, because I believe that if I help out, you know, if we if I move for equity for the most marginalized, that everybody will be good. And so she's a person who might live in the West Side, West Side neighborhood or the fourth ward and all the way from all the way up north to Turner. You are um, they would understand that concept that I do want everybody to be happy, but I'm going to make you happy by way of making these people happy uh -huh. so that you don't have an issue you know, as, as this group goes. Mm -hmm. Do you think that your constituents understand that when you're walking the doors that you're not going to be able to do equity and make, you know, the lawyer who just won't give up his, you know, West Side house, you know, mm -hmm. the happy through your, your motions and moves for this, you know, marginalized people. Is that the conversation that you're having with them? Is that your motive? Are you moving that direction? Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Do you? I, I think my presentation and the fact that we talk about principles uh, a lot in the campaign and at the doors, uh, we we 
we embody what we mean when we say we want to create, you know, equity opportunities for people. We know that some folks just got their shoes and just got in the race. We know mm -hmm. that folks have been here in the race for years. I think my understanding of history uh, it brings a lot to that. Uh, mm -hmm. For instance, one of my greatest examples of we do everything about housing, right? And black people were historically redlined. Mm hmm. But all of the housing policies that come up, they're not for black people specifically. Mm. But black people specifically were redlined because they were black. Mm. So we think about those things. But sometimes in the um, in the political arena, we, we package them in a way where we're we going to put equity into something and make people think it's equal because they mm. might want to be about this fairness stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think you need tactful people in city council to do those things. You need people who are, are forward thinking at city council to do those things people who can build common ground and rapport quickly uh, to do those things. And we just don't have that. But mm. in my interactions with folks, we let them know that, I, I mean, on a daily basis, I'm working at Northwest Initiative serving bread. And then by the end of the day, I might be closing on a real estate deal. So mm. every day is I, I see both sides of the fourth ward mm. uh, in my professional work. And it's the same number. You could call that number for, for a real estate deal or you could call that number if you need a, a food. Because mm. uh, we tell downtown businesses, uh, to address panhandling, we want to be able to provide them to the resources they need, mm -hmm. as opposed to calling uh, law enforcement. I think sometimes if we could partner people with resources, uh, that's public safety too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So when we were talking about the, so something that always strikes me when when people have the conversation of working, um, you know, with people, et cetera, et cetera. And I want to talk about this. Ryan Smith came in and said, whether you like it or not, you have to build consensus to get change. Typically, you build consensus via compromise. So I want to point something out because people tend to say that a lot. And often it is the people that um, do not, you know, always have the same struggles that some communities, some people have had historically maybe in their in their life to really truly understand the impact that some of these conversations that are political conversations can have. And so to Ryan's point, I want to say, what I see very often is that is a really great way of thinking about things is we got to work with both sides and you have to have that strategy. And someone came in, I think it was Tanisha that said it's a strategy and it's a smart strategy. They're both right. It is a very smart strategy. Mm -hmm. In my experience and what I have um, witnessed over the last two to three years is it is a smart and it is a strategy. It's a smart strategy that in our current government our current administration and also for people that consider themselves to be progressive mm -hmm. is extremely ineffective because mm -hmm. what ends up happening is the progressive people the ones that are trying to affect change in different ways are the only ones that are actually really working across the aisle mm -hmm. the other side who typically has more of the votes that typically have more of the networks there there's not a lot of compromise on that end and coretta had come in uh coretta duckett freeman who is running for at large um city council she made a fair point that hit on exactly how I feel. She said, in Lansing, there is no um, two sides of the aisle. They're all on the same side of the aisle, is what she said. And I have to I have to agree with that. She said, majority of the time, or um, now I can't find it. I don't know the exact wording that mm -hmm. she said, but basically what she's saying is in Lansing, it's not, it, we have a very different landscape. There really isn't two sides of the aisle because they are all on the same side of the aisle on most things. And I kind of tend to agree with that. I mean, it, so when you say working with both sides of the aisle, it sounds great, but we have not experienced that. They're not willing to work it's with. It's because we don't have a two sides. Like we, like I said, we, I named the two sides. You have that group over there that's really conservative and moderate to, I guess, 
maybe. And then you have the others that are really progressive. One thing I want to say, Ryan Smith came in, and I want to I want to get your because Ryan came in with that, and then he also came with this. Yeah, that was next. I'm Lansing right. once had over 300 officers. After the bubble burst, those numbers cratered to around 190. Did crime decrease? No. We actually had to get help from MSP to address crime. This isn't a question, uh, really. This is more of a statement. But this is the type of this is the type of rhetoric right here that is dangerous. But because I have a that's, question. No, I, I know. But let me just say this. This is dangerous in my opinion. I want to get your opinion on this. But this is dangerous because this would state that because we lost officers, crime got worse. And that's a false narrative. Crime got worse because it, 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 all of the funding that we've done in our community has led to what we have right now. Mm -hmm. So I think that this is just a dangerous narrative to state that we, because that's, that again goes to that more officers, more officers, more officers. It's just not a true statement. I mean, I guess what is your opinion on this? Honestly, that's that's a true statement. Uh, it's, it's true. I think multiple things can be that's Lansing did have over 300 police officers. Now it's about 190. Mm -hmm. Crime didn't decrease. We actually do have help from MSP. You see the helicopter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in that regard, on face value, that's a true statement. But what's not being said is the risk versus resilience factors. And I think when we have these conversations, we have to open it up and not just take a sentence for what it is. But we didn't leave room for high poverty, exposure to trauma unsafe environment, lack of investment in communities, unstable, unsafe housing, negative home and familial relationships, systemic racism being the, the explanation point on that. Uh, so I think... My question, though, for this is, do you think true. that that's the reason crime increased? No, that reason in addition to all of the things I just named. Right, but that's why I say this is so dangerous because the way this is stated is that's the only reason why crime went up because we have we had 300 officers at one point now we're down to 190 the crime decreased at that time no it it didn't decrease it went up because it just it went in time if you had 300 officers on the street right now you would still have crime because again they don't stop crime right absolutely but for the statement on face value because i i don't yeah. want to yeah he, he didn't say what what we know to make crime happen mm -hmm. but what he yeah. said was true and i, I i'm yeah. principled on my campaign if somebody wrote a statement Lansing had over 300 officers after the bubble burst, which we know. Mm. Same with most cities. Mm -hmm. And that's why realistic like statements like this can help us go to other corridor cities, such as Flint, Detroit, mm -hmm. where the bubble burst, and we still have all these high poverty, exposure to trauma. They create crime. And, but we can have conversations because we share that. Mm -hmm. Well, And you're, you're running for office, so you, you have strategy. You have to be there. What I would say to that, Ryan, is, you all know what I call that. That is copaganda. That's why I say it's, it's not. It is dangerous. It is not supported by data. It's not based in evidence. There is no study that you will find that will support that. There's actually the a study that, that supports of, against that. Yes. And so the insinuation of, you know, after those bubble bursted, we actually had to get help from MSP. So my question was going to be to that is, what did we actually do to address crime between that time? Aside from, say, we have less officers, right. what was actually done? So when we talk about we actually had to get help from MSP to address crime, we, did we do anything else from that time period to address crime? Or is it the stance that you, Ryan, or whoever it is that has this thought process taking is that the only way to address crime is through police officers? And I, I say police officers because I don't want to say pu public safety. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that public safety equates police officers mm -hmm. that is not my vision of, of, of public safety i think public safety can mean 
everything that you're talking about. Right. It does That's not it. have to equate to. You've got the right idea but, with that. Yes. But I, in order for me to go after federal fund, in order for me to as a council person, I want you to come to Lansing. Well, you don't have any police. Mm. And that's a realistic conversation I'm going to have on the phone with folks to invest here. Mm -hmm. and, and I just want to be able to make sure we can get opportunities that we deserve here in Lansing. Think that, about this. Delta Force. How many of them does it take to go? So you got Delta Force that's really good at what they do in the Army, right? When they show up, people die, people get rescued, no matter what, because they're really good at it. Mm -hmm. Or you have, you know, the regular old army who's not even as good as the Marines, who's not even hold as up, good as. I'm just saying, when we talk <laughs> about infantry, you know what I'm saying? I don't want you sending the Navy mm -hmm. in on the ground war, like send the Marines, right? So what I'm saying is more of people that suck at it doesn't help it. Get some people that are really good at it is what I'm saying. You have enough money to get people that are good at it. So when the Delta Force shows up with just six people, they can take on a whole battalion of, you know, just uh, foot soldiers that ain't, that all suck. You know, everybody's played like the modern warfare game where you play like there's 15 people and you can shoot every one of them with no problem. They never like if you're playing the computer, mm -hmm. Lansing Police Department is the computer. And like that's the issue. Like, let's get some people that are forward thinking. Like I, we always talk about like even in those games, you can turn up the, the, the awareness level to like, you know, so the people that you're fighting the computer is better. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is the problem. 300 police that all suck is just 300 police that all suck. If you had five police that were good at what they do, like, for instance, Matlock. When Matlock show up, your ass going to jail. Can we get a Matlock? Just like, get rid of over I would rather, yes, quality. I would rather have six police that were damn good at their job than 50 that suck at it. Five Matlocks tonight? No, but you have to curate five Matlocks. And mm -hmm. if you're not given the opportunity of the upper echelon to get up there, you got you or you order up five new booty police, excuse my name, new police officers. Right. That's what we call them in, in the world. Right. You got new kids that are going to hit the streets in a in a in a in an epidemic of gun violence. In they're not going to be situation. very. Yes. An acute situation. You're not going to be they're not going to. I don't know how else to say it. If you if let's take firefighting, you put a new firefighter out there. Yeah, we hire in. We have all the qualifications. But you don't learn that job till you're like six years in where you know it to the point where you can be that effective. Up until that point, you're just to go get it, kid. Like, hey, go get this, go get mm -hmm. that. You need that. I need you here. They got to have somebody honest the whole time. No different in police. Mm -hmm. But if you're not doing anything on the back end, that's why it's very performative. Like, it would have been so much more, uh, so much more beneficial to say, hey, we're gonna we're gonna promote our highest ranking guys to such and such and such to Give be investigative. Yeah. If you're going to do a task force, a violent crime task force, you put together your IT specialist, you put together Kim Coleman from the, you know, HRCS. What? I'm talking about, tell Honestly. me the person that you can put in there that's the detective that's been there for five years, mm -hmm. you know, put the SWAT team lieutenant in there. Like, what are you talking about? That, that, that's what I'm saying. And we're going to backfill with this. Yeah, like, like, where do you, that's what I'm saying. Like, quantity is not as important as quality of what you get. So 300 officers that all suck is just 300 officers that all suck. Mm -hmm. You know, 300 officers out on the street compared to 190, what they have now just means there's 120 or 110 more officers that are going to be out here making mistakes. In my opinion, we have a really good question coming in that I do want to ask from Cityhood, um, and I don't know if you're uh, um, familiar with Lansing Cityhood, but it's a it's basically a digital. By like, the way, you're doing publisher. well. Oh doing no, well. Yeah. I appreciate <laughs> great engagement. I, uh, this is I what come. America's going to do. Yeah, we had a conversation. We and so Cityhood comes in with a really good question. Cityhood says, "Should number of police officers be tied to population size? Lansing at peak was two hundred thousand infrastructure. Now we have one hundred eighteen thousand plus. 
fair fair question. Uh, this is it right here. We'll add it up. Yes. So again, should number of police officers be tied to population size? Lansing at peak was two hundred thousand infrastructure. Now we have one eighteen plus. So and that came in in relation to when we were talking about three hundred. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's a uh, hundred. 80, 190 officers is 117,000 people. So what's that? One officer per thousand people, right? Sure. Yeah, somewhere around yeah, there. One, one per whatever. I think the national standard that I've heard is like one per 5,000. Okay. You might Google that. But I think the national standard is like one police officer for every 5,000 people in the city. So if you got a city like New York City with 11 million people in it, they're not going to have them type of numbers where it's 10%. They're not going to have, you know, 1.1 million officers. Right. There's no way. So it's like, it's you usually, would think, say again, you would think, you would think. Yeah, you would think. <laughs> I mean, but ultimately it's like, that's why they've been in, you know, you'll have uh, the, the, the fraternal order and all these unions and stuff say that's why they have to be so aggressive. Mm -hmm. This is why we got to be so aggressive. We have to take it right now when we get there and let them know we're, we're here for mean business because if at any point in time, the, the you know the people can overtake a police department like that if they want to because of their numbers are so high but i i don't know you know what we would do you know that if it was at 200,000 that was at a time probably when we had 300 officers and now that we're at 112 or 118 maybe that's why we're at the number that we're at i remember when this happened though it was it was it was budgetary reasons back in 2006 2007 when the infrastructure fell and everything was down everything happened 2000 the fallout 2008 yeah that was it and they got rid of the officers uh, verse Bonero did it and he and this is why i say that information is out here if you want to find it but the crime rate did not spike it did not peak and so they were not able really to show that even with that little bit of officers nothing nothing changed then for years and then um Another thing that was talked about in that same frame was that during the pandemic, they weren't over policing or pretextual stops and they mm -hmm. weren't doing all of these things and violent crime didn't spike in that moment either. So well, I think, but I'm a proponent that we can, I'm actively looking for funding for everything, Lance, and I, I mm -hmm. want to fund every department. I want to be able to aggressively go after opportunities for, uh, sanitation opportunities for uh recycling opportunity if i can add value to any department i, I want to mm -hmm. uh, so if i can add value to the police department giving them uh resources and if i can still give resources to address the things that i know i could spend most of my time i could give them a vote on five police officers and keep it moving while i go do the work and dig up my sleeves on economic stability comprehensive support service some of the things which we do every day at the organizations i work for meaningful community connections those are things that don't cost a lot of money, time, mm -hmm. but they just cost effort. And I, I'm all for rearranging police. I've dealt with uh, some of the worst, and I've had some great encounters with police. Shout out to Al Dickerson, uh, my high school police officer. Shout out to uh, Mr. Jackson out in Kalamazoo. Uh, came busted up my house on uh, Martin Luther King Day as an undergraduate, and we all underage doing stuff we shouldn't have been doing. And we kept it honest with him, and he told us to have fun and be safe. Mm -hmm. So I, I think if I could just... I'm not saying throw them a bone, but I'm I'm going to focus on economic stability, and I don't want the conversation to get so boggled down because I'm giving them five police officers. I'm voting for five police officers because I feel like on the longer scheme of things, I can go after my economic stability with an extra card on the deck. I can go after my comprehensive support services with an extra card on the deck now. I can go after my meaningful community connections with an extra card, and I got people on the other side. I got people on the other side. Who may owe me? So the extra card on the deck is 
that it's vote symbolic of that is, vote is working. You, is, you think? What? what you no, about? I'm saying the, it's symbolic of like just working with them. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that kind of how you feel or, like or, that vote? If my if we need if I if I really feel and I feel like we could use the five police officers to go after these things, I'm. That's what I want to do. Again, I like the means, yeah. You're saying if you felt that way. So, like, if you're there and you're like, okay, I can see this being something that could be effective in this way. I still think it's just symbolic. I mean, it's just really just, it's propaganda. It's copaganda. But it's I, all those things. What about when uh, you bought your first car, when you got your uh, insurance to drive off the lot? Mm -hmm. Sometimes we do that symbolically, but it's, it's, it's getting us home. I know this ain't getting us home, bro. <laughs> this is getting us far away from home. For me, I get what you're trying to say, but so it's. I think I think it's risk versus reward. So that's why I said definitely. Um, you've done people like you said. You you used the echo chamber. Mm -hmm. That's an inherent trait, right? That's an inherent human trait. We as we're in an echo chamber. Mm -hmm. You know, do research and, and and really read up on the other side of you know over policing and and police prevention and things like that. Because what I would say is again, great strategy. I, I I'm being honest when I say that. I think of things risk versus reward, mm -hmm. and that's what it would be. Just really understand what inherent risk that could entail and just understand and know that because it feels like you absolutely have thought about this and you're being very honest and transparent and intentional yeah. about your strategy and, and, and all of those things. So, um, so real quick, I want to come in because you guys were talking about the, the per, police per capita and all of that. So in 2016, um, kind of the national standards, uh, cities with populations exceeding 25,000 employed an average of 16.8 officers and 21.4 total personnel for every 10,000 residents. So 16.8 officers for every 10,000 residents for cities over 25,000 people. So then do the math on us then because that can't be correct. Washington, D.C., Chicago. 16 officers for every... 10,000. 10,000. <laughs> That's what it says on an average. That can't be right then because we'd have... How many officers? Do the math. 16 times... Uh, I got one and a half officer for every 1,000 people. That's about where we are. That's what you got math-wise? Yeah. But we can't have a 0. 0.6 person. No, but sure, I'm saying... But... I mean, I get that. Yeah. So, no, that, that sounds about So, I guess we're right. on par then with... with you know, as of 2016. So that's just data as of six, 2016. Yeah. So I thought that was relevant. Cityhood, excuse me, did also come in with another really good question that um, if I what, can. I just want to I just want to say that the the resolution did pass uh, for the five police officers. Uh, they just stated, yeah, we knew that two votes down. Uh, Brian and Kathy, which we all kind of knew that was going to be that uh, because I believe they see the bigger picture of it and don't really want to play the game. Uh, and I think ultimately, I want to know what Pat said because I had a conversation with Pat. Pat uh, said over that the, the people that she talked to at Juneteenth want cops young and old. So, which Juneteenth were you at, Pat? No, that's not. <laughs> I mean, that's not the point. Well, again, you know, you got to add some meat on the back end of it. But, anyways. Well, that's a conversation tonight with the vote. Um, you know, is that the people she's talking to want, you know, more police. And I think that, again, yeah. it depends on who you're talking to. Yeah. Or, you know, one thing I noticed heavily was that a lot of people don't understand why they're in a predicament they are or why they get dealt with the way they do. So mm -hmm. education is a big one. If people yeah. don't know, you know, I was a person who didn't know five years ago. Mm -hmm. I would have had no idea. And the police killed my boy at 19 years old. And I still would have never thought about over policing means that we're turning more people into criminals and so on and so forth that may not necessarily you know so there's a whole lot of these things uh that i didn't know so if somebody came and asked me 
Uh, and I can tell you that what was it four years ago and ever had that big fight up there and I was at the I was at the meeting saying we need more security in the school mm -hmm. we need this that the other there ain't even enough police I was uneducated mm -hmm. had no idea was just up there figuring my own mind knew the solutions right <laughs> and then I started to educate myself more figuring out what was really the root cause digging of these issues deeper. digging a little deeper than what's on the surface and this is why I'm, I'm at where I'm at with it all mm -hmm. maybe five years from now I don't no, I may have a different sense of understanding of that, but well, I just the think the situation that, changes now. You're in a place where you would continue to do your research. Well, I just think that over over the years, what we never we never look back. We always just look forward. We always look what we need to move forward instead of what they've already done. Just like now, when people all decided to jump off the couch because now violence is the thing, right? Before it wasn't. Everything everybody was all concerned about every other thing in the whole world. Now the gun violence is all on everybody's plate. It's all the media's contacting us mm -hmm. about. It's it's all there. And everybody jumps up and they're the first ones to ever do it. They're mm -hmm. the first ones to think about doing something about it. And it's like they just disrespect all the work that's been done up to this point. And we see that over and over again. So with the policing, I was disrespecting what had been up to that point when I jumped off the couch in this over policing thing. And as I did more education, I realized that, yeah, that probably isn't the root. You know, that's not the root cause. Or that's the root cause. And we need to be figuring out this aspect of it. And so that's why my mind changed on it. Mm -hmm. Again, I was in I think demanding those things. In our culture, sometimes we don't give people the room to uh, make those kind of realizations or, yeah. or those kind of uh, comeback arounds on the mind. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's that's a testament to your growth and, mm -hmm. and uh, development. But we need to leave people space for that. And mm -hmm. uh, I think, once again, we could give you an opportunity for that and keep you accountable yeah. in the same light. I love the accountability talk, bro. I swear. I just I just wonder how I you're going to do it, it because <laughs> they, 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 they're just not willing to be held accountable. Like, that's mm -hmm. just it. And I think that's the only way that you fix all of these problems. It's like they put this mayor's racial justice alliance together and just completely forgot the reason why they were created. You mm -hmm. were created because you won't hold yourself accountable for the stuff that you've done. And even the talks going forward, none of it talks about accountability for the things that have already happened it's all like we're just going to move forward square one here we're going to go forward and i think that that is the biggest key and i think that accountability if pressed and, and done correctly writes this shit man right away could we like restorative justice is something would that be something that would yeah, make amends be. with people and it's i think be. we could use the council for opportunities to yeah. restore justice and times yeah. where the community has been wrong yeah it's called the racial justice alliance justice racial justice justice <laughs> only comes after a wrong has been done so where is the justice yeah. in what you're talking about for the people directly impacted we're going to move forward and i promise you guys the next person is gets discriminated against we'll have something in place for y'all but the ones three months ago before we put this in place, you know, but whatever about them. This is what I would bring. And I, I want to see data. We, I mean, I love I love hearing the experience of everyone uh, where I'm at your door. And I, 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 I want to hear it all. I want to hear ideas that are different from me. I want to hear the ideas that people want to withhold to themselves because they may think they're going to offend me. Mm. Uh, but I, I want to hear that stuff. And uh, I think what we can do if we create a space for people to just be open and real like that. Uh, people who are uneducated can get opportunities to learn real quick. Because, I mean, yeah. when you're having a conversation with somebody and it offends them and they put you on check or they get you up to speed real quick, I think those are invaluable experiences that lead to true growth. And and, uh, and it's healing for people when I tell you, you offended me when you did this, and, and people can acknowledge it. But we, mm -hmm. we haven't had those opportunities. Nobody's opening a space for that. Well, Angela Waters Austin has with the Truth Racial Healing Transformation. She opens up space exactly for that, mm -hmm. where the offenders come together with the person who was offended and they have a conversation and try to understand each other. And I guess they were working with the city for a while 
until this new administration came in and just said, ah, right, we're good with that. We don't want any of that. And so that's something that maybe you you talk about bringing back. I want to bring up this uh, comment from Farhan. He says, what happens when they hire these five cops and the gun violence does not end? Are they going to hire another five cops? Will they fire the five cops that was just hired and invest elsewhere? I mean, that's the questions that we have is like, okay, you're trying all these things. And but, the accountability process that you talked about is great but, if you're going to hold it. I'm, if it can I mean, if that's what we need to do, but I'm I'm not focused on cops. Mm. I'm voting for cops, but I'm focused on economic stability. I'm focused on comprehensive support services. I I give them a cop. Sometimes uh, when I used to work with students, uh, I would say, I'm going to give you all the last 10 minutes mm. because I knew I need 40 minutes to get what I need done, and mm. I'm getting it done. And mm. what y'all doing the last 10 minutes, that's on y'all, but I know. I delivered in my 40 minutes you gave me. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give, I'll give them the five, I'll give them the five comps and if people call them for it, I would love, I would rel- I'll relinquish the five comps and give them the vote and support the, the resolution. But in the meantime, I'm working with my, and building credible relationships so people don't say, oh, he voted for police, he fake. No, he voted for police because he's helping me go after my funding that I need from the state government. Mm-hmm. He voted for police because he's looking for me a brick and mortar or he's helping find a brick and mortar. So it's like, I'm trying to get realistic alternatives or realistic solutions out of uh, policy issues that are sometimes unpopular, but I think the outcomes could be popular. Mm. We're still the risk first reward. <laughs> Clarita just comes out and says, no more slave catchers. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, that's a sentiment. It's a strong sentiment. Of, so of I think you've you done a good job of expressing where yeah. you are. Um, I mean, I, I think that the people have heard good from you of where you stand on it all. And I think that you, I mean, you, you were transparent. That's what needs to happen. People just, this is why we wanted to do this because in a debate or in, you know, in the forums, you just don't get enough out to people no. to understand you. And honestly, I, I want to go wherever folks have a microphone or want to hear, and I'm going places to talk and then I'm going places to listen. So yeah. it's no place I won't go. It's nobody I'm avoiding. It's no conversation that we're not going to have. Right on. Uh, the phone number is going to be there. Uh, you can call if we didn't get your question answered in here today. Uh, but I'm looking to represent everybody. And I know some of the decisions will be unpopular, but I'm hoping that the outcomes in the, in the, in the future and, and some of the ideas that, that are uh, able to be implemented from some of the unpopular decisions can be fruitful and flourishing for all of us. You ever ran before? I, I thought I seen somewhere that you had ran before. What was that? I ran four years ago for Fourth Ward City Council. Against Brian? Against Brian. It was about seven others. Okay. So, and wh- who, who went to the top? Okay, uh, Jim no. McClurkin and Brian. Okay. Got you. All right. Don't even remember. So it's happened before. How many votes do you expect to get? Uh, I'm looking to get about 5,000 votes from the Fourth Ward voters. Wow. That's mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. We want to have a, a mandate from the folks to be able to represent them professionally to be present, professional, and to be uh, all about business within the fourth war for everybody. How do you feel up to the point you've been at the doors? Is, has it been, um, you know, welcoming? Do you Supported. feel like you're, you're getting support? It's been positive. A lot of folks remember me from going door to door at the Mid-Michigan Leadership Academy or uh, the Young Men's Academy where we did the shirt and ties for young men. Uh, I love that idea, too. Oh, uh, and thank you to Mr. Bariyama. See, I've seen Lansing pull together around the needs of young people Mm-hmm. on levels that people haven't so mm-hmm. like we did a shirt and tie drive and the goal was just 200 shirts and 100 ties we ended up raising 500 shirts and maybe 700 ties mm-hmm. with several suits and i remember i asked mr barry Amos if he'd be a, a drop-off location and not only did he give us like permission to use eight of his locations as drop-off location when we got done 
he dry cleaned everything for us for free. Wow. Mm. Yeah, and I just, I mean, I just paid 14 for this boy out the dry cleaner. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that was, that was a sizable amount of money, but he did that because he saw us doing something for our community. So I think if we focus on the folks who doing the work, the mm-hmm. yeoman in the field, mm-hmm. and, and not worrying about the uh, tax collectors in the office, but if we can empower the yeomans in the field, uh, we can build that brotherhood, that solidarity enough to be like the nine people at Capital City Racking and go against the whole system, or we could be like the people in Flint and sit down and go against the whole system. Mm. But it all starts with solidarity, and I think Michigan is a great example of that, and we could do that if we can get people to find common ground, especially at local level politics. I think our stuff in Lansing doesn't have to be as divisive as the national discourse, and I think a a candidate with the social skills, uh, charisma, common sense, and just the professional appetite to go after and do it for people, I think could bring and bridge some gaps that we haven't seen in Lansing. So do you ever go anywhere without the suit? I seen you in a picture. Uh, I think you was handing out flyers. You had on some KDs and some jeans. I was like, dang, ain't never seen you dressed uh, like that. I think I seen you riding a bike in the suit one day. Yeah, I ride the bike in the suit. I'm usually suited. I want people to know we, we mean business. When I first started working at the Mid-Michigan Leadership Academy, I thought it was important. I wear a suit every day. We go door to door. I twisted my ankle playing basketball in a suit with some young people in the street. But I, I think it's important we give our people positive images. And uh I want them to know I mean business, uh, right. but I, I can still get down with the best of them. The clothes don't mean anything. I've had chocolate milk, uh, whipped cream, all the things in the cafeteria spilled on me before, and I do it with a smile. But this is my uniform when I, I want to work for folks. And right. uh, I got another shirt that's raggedy when I'm doing field work, but I want to represent folks. Right on. Real quick, short answer, because I wanted to make sure to get to this question because it is an important one, and it was from Noah. He asked, um, short answer, would you invest in roads and education? Those need serious funding. Absolutely, uh, I would. But as a city council person, it's important that we leverage the relationships who actually handles the roads. So I'll be working with the county, the road commission, and uh, the state at the state level, seeing if we can get some different arrangements. I know the fuel tax uh, and the registration fees are, are helping with road funding, but that's not enough. So I will work with uh, our state players, uh, being that I do work you know, around the state capital as it is, but using those relationships to see that MDOT can get us some more funding or looking to see if we could do something privately or something locally here in Lansing. So I want to give you time. We're about to close out in about two minutes. So I'll give you the last two minutes to just kind of put put what you want out there to the people. Absolutely. Well, uh, it's not about me. It's about the fourth ward. And the fourth ward cannot wait uh, for elected leadership that's willing to go to work each day focused on solving the problems as it relates to everyone. Uh, right now, we are definitely in a unique time. When it comes to policing in Lansing, we're in a unique time when it comes to development in Lansing. And the fourth ward can't wait for a representative that's prepared, a professional, and willing to do the job. And uh, I bring a lot of my uh, skill set to the table to bridge the gap, to uh, find common ground, to uh, uh, just work on behalf of, of all of us. And I think uh, even though some of the uh, stances or, or Political talk may be unpopular to some, but I really believe the outcomes that I'm seeking, the outcomes that the team and uh, my folks are helping us present, the outcomes are good for everybody. And those are equitable outcomes that we're seeking for. Uh, So I I encourage everybody to vote Caldwell in November. Uh, You can call me 517-225-6389. I have so many numbers, but uh, we've been endorsed by the IBEW uh, 352 and 665. But we're working every day, not only on behalf of working people, but we want to work for you and work for you so you, you don't have to. Uh, we know that folks are anxious to get into city government because they feel like they don't have the representation down at City Hall. That's why you can call your representative. That's why you should have a representative. Uh, so I want to do that for you. And I believe that the hard work and creative 
hard working, creative, and giving people of Lansing's fourth ward deserve extra, uh, elected leadership willing to go to work right now. And that's what I'm doing. All right, my brother, yeah. I appreciate it. Hey, I thank anything? y'all for having me on, too. Thank you. Yeah, what I hear cool. him say is if you do call him, he's not going to ask you where you got your number. Oh, where yeah, you, got, where you get the number from? from. Yeah. <laughs> no, because he knows num- he gave it to you. My number's out there. Uh, I want you to call it. Uh, if I couldn't get your question here today, but I, I, I mean, I'm open, and I thank y'all for giving me the platform. You all right, the platform appreciate you coming on. So uh, next up, we have Wednesday. Who is coming on Wednesday? Uh, Farhan. We got Farhan Omar, Sheik Omar on on Wednesday. We're going to be having the same discussion with him. I'm sure that a lot of these things will bounce and feed off of each other. This is going to be a genuine place where people can come on and and talk that talk, I think, without having a two-minute limit or anything like that. This is important. um, Yeah. So I appreciate you coming on, my brother. Yes, thank you. It's a good conversation. Again, I appreciate everything you do in the community already. Uh, and he brought us some socks too. So yes. we got some socks. I'm gonna wear with my J's because that's all I rock is Air Maxes <laughs> and J's or whatever. But I'll put them on with that. So, all right, y'all. That's been our time today. Thank y'all for watching America Twenty to Life. Y'all check out our cash up up there. Uh, we also are gonna be having our Coming to America on Saturday at six o'clock. So if y'all can go to the site and check the website out, please make sure you register if you want to come in house. Mm-hmm. Use and it. then we're going to be opening this seat up to all of our fans. So y'all can sit down yeah. for five minutes and just tell us what y'all want to yes. talk about. So we're going to talk about it all. That's it. All right. Love y'all. Hope to talk to you and not about y'all. Peace. <laughs>